I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen. Welcome to the Little Extra Lambo podcast. I am your host for today, Kevin Lammerding. El Lambo, coming to you from the Palatial Podcast Studios right here in Spokane, Washington. How is everybody doing out there? We have an amazing guest today. We have a 20-plus year combat veteran, retired. Thank you for your service. We have a former uh, federal officer as well. Um, He was relieved of his duties because he did not want to take the jabby jab, so he chose to go home. That's his right. That's his freedom, and that's what we're fighting for today. Uh, can't talk enough about this guy. Um, I haven't known him very long. Um, I'm, he's from TikTok, uh, Mr. Freedom Branch, Mr. Freedom Stick. Uh, however you can, can find him on there. And he's had six, seven, eight different accounts. They keep getting taken down. They keep, uh, you know, it's, taking down videos, taking down full accounts, getting shadow banned, but it's not going to stop him. It's not going to stop any of us out there who get this, who have this done to us. And we had an amazing conversation. Uh, Throughout the podcast, I looked over, thought we were about 40 minutes in. We were two hours. And we could have kept talking, kept going on. So we'll definitely have to have him back on. Uh, Mr. Freedom Stick um, on TikTok, we, as well as Instagram. Um, don't want to use a uh, real name just because of privacy issues. So we're going to use the name that he goes by on, on, uh, on TikTok, on Instagram. We talked about some survival training. We talked about uh, kind of, he doesn't like conspiracy theory, the word behind it, but we talked about the reason why Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp went down, kind of the the theories behind that. Um, We talked about uh, just being prepared and what you should need and the supplies that you should need. So it was a great conversation. It really tied together the other shows that I have done previous to that. If you are just checking this out for the first time, please go back, click uh, click on my link tree. You'll pull up all three of my podcasts, but you'll pull up a little extra Lambo. You will find all of my other shows on there. I'm on Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, a couple others. So um, if there's another podcast that you format that you listen to and you would like to get mine put on there, Send me a message, and I will do my best to get it put on there. Mr. Freedom Stick. Um, I made a, a video this morning kind of to promote the show, and it says, it says, carry, speak softly, carry a big stick, and you will be just fine. And there is none other bigger stick than that of freedom. And I think throughout this podcast, you you get that. You get the USA, America proud. You get the, you get the freedom aspect that that's what all of us are chasing. That's what we're all trying to do and, and capture. 
and we we really covered that, I believe. Uh, it's a great podcast. Um, without without getting into 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 too much of it, um, you know, he's obviously knows what he's talking about. Very uh, very good on the communications. He has his own podcast. You can check him out at. Um, just a pinch of patriot he's on uh spotify so look for him there like his show like my show hit that notification bell on both of ours and uh get ready for some amazing content um follow him on on tiktok as well i believe he's got two different accounts one's a backup so follow him you're 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 not going to be disappointed and he's definitely going to get that mind of yours thinking so um what else do we have here we got a couple other shows coming up um we've got the uh first episode of season two and a half for the Hotcast one radio podcast it will be coming out here very shortly we have the very first episode of season two for the one pack two pack baseball card podcast that will be out this saturday um Brandon and I have recorded that and it is ready to be released on Saturday. So look for that as well. It's on Spotify, it's on uh Google Podcasts as well. Um what else do we got coming up here? We've got a couple other shows that I'm not quite finished with yet doing my research on them. So I'm not going to promote them as of yet because I don't know when actually I'm going to be releasing them. So but I am working on three different shows at the same time probably dumb to do so um but that's where i'm at um i'm trying to get legit information get legit uh statistics and and data for you guys for these shows i don't want to i don't want to be known as one of those guys that just kind of throws it and wings it throws it together and wings it like the they said about uh, joe rogan from cnn the clown news network you know the ones that are going to be out of business in a year, that that organization. So doing my best um, to get those shows put together. So um, I guess without further ado, I'm going to bring to you Mr. Freedom Stick himself. How are we doing tonight, brother? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm excited to uh, have you on the show and and actually get to hear your your voice through my headphones and not I'm not on my phone. Oh, definite, bro. Definite, bro. I appreciate I appreciate you inviting me, dude. This is uh this is pretty cool, man. I've been uh, I've been jumping, doing my rounds uh, in regards to other people's podcasts, and I decided to drop one last night as well. So I, I have that written down in yeah. my notes o- on the line with us right now. Yep. We have, sure. uh, Mr. Freedom stick himself. Uh, you can find him on TikTok at, at Mr. Freedom branch. He's got 40,000 followers right now. And this is your what fifth account, sixth account. Cause they keep shutting it down. Dude, I, I, you know what? I lost track, man. But at the end of the day, in regards to social media platforms that are out there doxing patriots and people that are just trying to just trying to get the truth out there, man. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not going anywhere. So 
you know, I guarantee you my, my TikTok account will probably get pulled down again and we'll start all over. We'll start all over. That's the, that's the yeah, thing we're resilient and, and keep going and, and just keep getting the truth out there. Well, that's, that's, that's the thing about these social media platforms. They don't understand the, the, the more you ban us, the more you, the more you dox us, right? The more, you know, you, you, you try to pull us down, the harder we come back, you know, it solidifies your resolve, especially when, you know, like me, I mean, I, I got skin in the game, dude. You know, I was in the military for 21 years and then I was a fed until the, the mandates dropped and, you know, I had to make my own moral decision and, and now I got nothing but time. That's your, well, that was your very first TikTok post from what I have seen was you got your resignation papers and then you came out and made a yep. video and that's how this all started for you. This was, yeah, it was insane, man. I never... I never thought I was going to, you know, anyone that knows me, they know I have a voice and they know that I would stand up, you know, for a constitutionally protected right. Even when I was in my police department, um, I was that guy, you know, that a lot of officers come to and say, Hey, you know, fed law pretty good. You understand it. You know, should we do You know, what do you think about this? What do you think about these mandates? What do you think about this? And I've always been that vocal person. And then, like I said, you know, the federal mandate dropped and our upper leadership turned around and they looked at us and they said, OK, it's right around the corner. Um, you know, this is what the this is what the guidance outlines. Are you going to go ahead and submit uh, to taking the, you know, the jabby jab or, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to submit a, uh, <clears throat> a medical exemption, a religious exemption? And, you know, I looked at my leadership and I said, I, I you know, I don't need to petition my government you know, on, on why I don't need to take something. You know what I'm saying? That's what Americans need to understand. The federal government, and it's being proven uh, in constitutional court, it's being proven all around the nation that they don't have the power that they think they do. Do you think the government is doing that just to see how far they can push and ultimately they'll they'll back off at some point? Or is it is it the complete agenda that they're actually they're this is their time to push everything that they want to get through and it doesn't matter what we want or what we say well i mean you, you look at it this way you know everyone's thinking local and you know they're not thinking globally this is this is a global agenda to inoculate the world with whatever these you know jabs are so it's not just this nation obviously you know i believe truly that this administration has obviously taken orders uh, from someone else uh, and, and trying to push their agendas. But at the end of the day, we live in the greatest country in the world. This is a constitutional republic. People don't understand how great this nation is and how our forefathers set this nation up to protect us, um, especially when it came to the documents uh, of inception. This, this country is unlike any country in the world. Like, you, you know, you look at Australia. Uh, I got family in Australia. My wife's Australian. So, you know, we talk to our family in Australia like basically every day and it's, it's crazy over there. And then you look at Canada and how, you know, the premiers are standing up against, uh, you know, Trudeau and, and, you know, Trudeau, obviously you could link him to the world economic forum and their agenda. So at the end of the day, I think that these people are pushing it. They're, there's no backing down from them. They, they have their orders. They have to keep pushing and they're going to use whatever's at their disposal to get it done. But 
you know, the cool thing about this nation, again, is our Constitution, our Constitution of Protected Rights, the Bill of Rights. And those documents protect us unlike any other country in the world. And they can't find their way around it. They're trying. You know, they push these mandates. Uh, they, they try to make them seem illegal, but they're not. You know, mandate's not a law. No. Um, people need to understand well. Um, but, you know, they, they, they have the mouthpiece of the mainstream media, you know, preaching this 24-7 to the point where people just, you know, they just want to give up. A lot of people are just like, you know what, I'll just get it. Yeah. I'll just run on and get it. It's I'm easier. Person, it's man. easier for them to go through day to day, just comply, just you know, hey, just go with the flow. It's just easier on my life if I if I just let somebody else make the decision for me. Well, correct. And and that's the majority. I'm not you know what, let me back that up. I'm not a majority, it's a minority in this country, but you know, you even have to look at emergencies. You know, I talk to a lot of people every day and they hit me up and they're like, Hey, what should I be getting? and I'm kind of scared of what's going on. I, you realize that a, a minority of this nation really truly believes it's the government's job to protect them. And that's why they don't prepare. Uh, right. That's why they don't have a plan. And so whenever the government comes out and says, you have to do this, a lot of them are like, you know, I, the government said it. I trust the government. I trust them this far. Like, you know, I'm going to go out and do A, B, A, B C, and D. But it's something bigger than that. Um, for me, it, it, you know, these, these are my morals and beliefs. You know, a, a government, uh, a private entity, uh, your employers, they don't have the right to tell you what goes into your body. The same people on the left that were preaching, you know, uh, about women's rights, right? Uh, their, their body, their choice. These are the same people are coming back and saying, no, you don't have a choice in regards to this. You need to take this. And it's the idiocracy that we're seeing 24-7, so... I want to go. I want to go back to you. I, I first. I want to thank you for your service. Uh, Twenty plus years in the military. You're a retired combat vet. What got you into the military yep. to begin with? Oh, funny story, man. Growing up, uh, my father. You know, he, he was my hero, man. This dude. He served in the military as well. Um, just the morals and beliefs that he, you know, that he dropped on all of us in our family and the respect that I had for him. I was, I was running around and, you know, just doing stupid stuff before I turned 18. I went down the wrong road. I dropped out of high school. Um, I was running with the wrong people. And then I started realizing my father's, you know, obviously, you know, being a father myself, I will never stop loving my son. And I will never sit there and be like, I don't respect my children. But, you know, there was a certain point, where I realized my dad was just kind of straying away from me because I was the black sheep of the family. So <clears throat> with that being said, running around with, you know, the back crowd, uh, just had a, uh, an epiphany one day that I need to straighten up, man. I need to do something with my life, you know, and I'm originally from Minnesota. And the crazy thing about certain states in this country, you know, Minnesota is one of those states where, you know, you live there and you die there. Right. Very much. A lot so. of people don't get out of Minnesota. A lot of people just stay local. A lot of the people that I grew up with still live there. And uh, I didn't want that for myself, man. So I went, ended up going down to the recruiting station and signed up uh, for the Navy. And the rest is history, brother. What part of Minnesota? Uh, originally out of 
right outside the Twin Cities, a little suburb outside of the Twin Cities. Okay. I went, uh, I, I went to college in uh, in Jamestown, North Dakota. So I have a lot of friends from okay. from uh, from Minnesota, Perm area, the Twin Cities, the um, Alexandria. Yeah, I can I can hear a little Midwest in your uh, in your step there. Yeah, uh, just a just a so, little bit. I, I think I. <laughs> oh yeah, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you went from uh, you went from 20, 21 years in the military to the police department. Was it an easy easy transition for you? Uh, so, you know, operating in the military, I did a lot of, uh, cool stuff. Um, uh, you know, had completed a couple of combat tours in Iraq and then I, um, chased a cartel down in South America. I was operating with the DEA, uh, U.S. Coast Guard Special Operations, D-11 out of Key West took our orders and we chased, uh, human trafficking. And I did that for a couple of years. And uh, it really opened my eyes, not only from, you know, coming from Iraq and the combat side house, but it really opened my eyes to how evil this world is. You know, you come across boats and you see women and children on these boats and some of the stuff that we came across, man, it just really, it really solidified, um, you know, my tour in the military. And then once it was ending, I was like, I can't just go get a desk job after everything I've seen and done and the training and the experience that I have. I was like, I got to do something. Um, funny story is I actually was going to be a firefighter when I got out. So I got, uh, my last year and a half in the Navy, I was in special program down in San Diego and I got certified as an EMT and I was running ALS BLS out of San Diego, uh, trying to get my experience so that I could build my resume to become a firefighter. I got a degree in uh, emergency management and fire science. And then we retired. We ended up moving up from San Diego up to Washington state. Once we got up here, uh, I started, you know, mingling with uh, the locals in, in the town that I live in and everyone, their mom's a freaking firefighter up here. And, uh, you know, I figured that was going to help me out, but I started talking to people. I took the test to see Pat killed it, uh, submitted um, my application to a lot of local departments. And I always got put on the hiring list. I never got a call back though. And I was wondering, what am I doing wrong, man? I got, I got the experience as a medic EMT. I have the, you know, I, passed the, the, the firefighting exam, passed CPAT, passed everything. And, uh, you know, what, what am I doing wrong? I, you know, being in the Navy, you know, you, uh, you, you're a certified firefighter when you're on ships. Um, so my first, uh, two, two tours were on, uh, ships and I got certified in aviation firefighting, um, and structural firefighting. So I figured I, I had a pretty good resume. Um, and I ended up talking to one of my buddies, and my so- uh, kid's soccer game. And I said, what am I doing wrong? And I showed him everything. He says, you're not doing anything wrong. He says, well, you're not going to get a call back. I said, why? He says, nobody's going to hire a 40-something-year-old firefighter recruit. And I was like, wow. I was really devastated, man. Age is just so a number. I said, well, what else can I I know, right? <laughs> I bet, you know, when they're, when they're reviewing your paperwork, you know, they don't know you personally. And they, you know, they see an age and they're like, this guy's got one leg in the grave. Um, so, you know, I, it really hit me hard. I was like, man, I worked so hard for this. I worked so hard, you know, on my degree. I want to be a firefighter. I want to save people's lives. What else can I do? And then I was just like, well, it's just going to be a cop. But I didn't want to be a regular cop. I didn't want to be a regular city cop and end up uh, becoming a federal police officer. So uh, went off to Glencoe, Georgia, got certified, and, yeah, you know, became a cop. Started running patrols. My... 
I went to uh, University of Jamestown, um, got my degree in criminal justice. I could have gone to Grand Forks to go the lawyer route, or I went to the uh, police department is what I eventually tried doing, but I wanted to work with the DEA. Okay. I am 6'3", 250 pounds, and when I got done playing baseball, I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I wanted to be the one that ran through the door and said, stick them up. So right. once I got graduated, got done playing ball, tried out, you know, for the, the different pro teams, didn't make it, came to the realization that I'm done playing baseball. Now it was, I need to find a job. I wanted, I want to continue my career. I want to get hired on. That first job never came. And, right. and I asked myself the same question. What am I doing wrong? And I was told several times, it's who you know and, and who is already hired in that they can give you a good, you know, a good accommodation to get hired on. And I just never had that. So I was kind of stuck with, I've got this degree, I've got this desire to be in law enforcement. It just never came. Yeah. DEA, uh, the DEA U S marshals, man, all those federal law enforcement agents, man, they're tough to get into. Um, you, you got guys that are doing, um, apprenticeships just to join the U S marshals. So, it's tough, man. It's very competitive too. So, uh, like you, man, I'm, I'm six foot four, I'm 230 pounds and the same mindset, dude, you know, even after serving in the military, I figured, man, I've gone through all this, dude, I'm bulletproof. I can do whatever, uh, whatever I put my mind to. So father time has a way of coming and telling, you, no, you're not bulletproof. <laughs> oh, correct. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, I, 20-something years in the military, I'm, I'm finding it harder and harder to get up in the morning. It takes a lot longer, and you know, I find myself pumping a couple uh, uh, Motrin in the morning just to uh, get that pain level down. But it is what it is. Pain shows you one thing, and, and you know, I even tell my kids when you know they fall down, skin their knee, I'm like, does it hurt? Yeah. Okay, cool. You're alive. Yep. You are not okay. dead. When it, when it stops hurting, that's when you have a problem. I want to go, I know you haven't listened to all of my podcasts yet. Um, I sent you two, but one of the things that I've done and it's, it's, it's because I want the knowledge. So I brought other guests on that are kind of in the know. They, they know what they're talking about. They're, um, uh, preparedness they've been doing the prepping thing they've been doing the go bags i want the information so i come at it from you know the the newbie side of things and, and just trying to get all of the information so that i'm prepared i have my go bag i have you know all my other stuff from your years in the military what are some survival training things that the everyday person can do to be ready if they do either a have to leave their home and and you know go away from it to survive or let's say we're on the highway and they start putting up a blockade and they're not letting people in and out you need to now get to your house how do people survive with you know with the the training that you have been given what are what are some keys that they can use well, okay. All right. Those are two really good questions. Those are, those are questions that I hit on a lot uh, in regards to your total, total survivability during any kind of emergency. Number one, 
um, providing a 360 degree security zone around a moving target is almost impossible, brother. I'm going to tell you, me being in the military, me conducting operations that I have, I feel confident um, that if something does happen uh, while I'm mobile, I could get to where I need to go. But the, the issue is your average day citizen, um, that's, that's really tough because at the end of the day, you, you know, unless you have the experience, unless you truly understand the situation and, and you have that tactical knowledge, understanding on how to identify the variables that come at you within seconds and making split decisions um, off of those variables is really tough. So I'll hit on the, I'll hit on the first thing, um, you know, in regards to, you know, whenever I try to train people on survival, I, try, I, I, I don't like the term bug out bag, right? I believe that, I believe that individuals that, that want, and you might get upset at me for saying this, but this is what I preach. Um, the term bug out bag to me, uh, it's, it's a no-go, right? Because any, any, any time the situation happens, it has already happened. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So when you build a bag, you already have a mindset where I'm going to run off into the unknown. If people think that all they have to do is buy a bag with some cool Gucci gear, some trinkets, um, and throw it on their back and go mobile, that is probably the dumbest thing that you could do in regards to your total survivability. The best thing you could do, and something I preach, and this is tactics, is the rule of 72. And the rule of 72 is, is simplistic, dude. If you have an emergency, let's say you're at home, and let's say chaos breaks, uh, you know, breaks out, say the grid goes down, I can think of 100 different major scenarios. The first thing you need to do is you need to stay calm, okay? Prior to any emergency, you need to build an emergency action plan, right, an EAP. And what an EAP is, if I decide to pop smoke and take off. These are my wickets to take off. Okay. Have that plan set, right? Don't have a loose plan. So I'm going to back it up a little bit, but I'm definitely going to hit on the bug out bag thing. Cause I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the term bug out bag you know, because you're basically defining that you're going to give up the high ground. People need to understand when an emergency situation happens, you are the safest where you are standing right then and there. Right. All of your threats have to come to you. You own the high ground, whether it be, uh, you know, you, 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 you know, standing outside or whatever. I, it's, it's, it's a term. You, you own the high ground. Your threats literally have to come to you, right? You can control the variables around. You're already there. You get what I'm saying? Yes. You already accept the situation. You know where you're at. You know where the exits are. You know if something moves. You're, you're already used to your environment, and threats are not. Threats have to come up, and the second they go mobile and they try to enter into uh, that area, you'll be ready for them so, or ready for any threat, no matter what it is. So I, I, I really try to stray away from trying to tell people, go get a bag, have a plan, and get ready to just run for the hills. But the rule of 72, so I'm going to back it up. The rule of 72 is simple, right? You already have a plan in place. If something happens, the first thing you should do is sit. And I know a lot of people don't like that. Remember what I talked about. You are the safest where you are at any given time, right? You own the high ground. You're watching the variables. You can take in the information and assess um, if you have to retreat right now or 
guess what? I'm safe enough. I'm going to stay here until I get enough information to implement my EAP, right? Because most people, they'll just take off. They'll get word of mouth. Their phone, you know, might be going off. Their friends might be calling. Like I said, a grid down situation, all the power goes off. Why would you throw a backpack? Why would you load up your car and just go mobile in a situation like that? Because it's, it's the unknown. This variable that you didn't have time to assess. Um, so the rule of 72, I tell people to stay put for at least 72 hours. And what you're doing during that time is now you're accepting what is happening. You have limited information on the emergency at hand, but you're accepting what is going on. At the same time, you're a setup of security, right? Any threats have to come to you. During this time, what you're going to do is you're going to go ahead and look at your, your stock and your stores, right? Your supplies. And, and you're going to go through everything and say, okay, this is what we have for this uh, situation. This is how long this is going to last. And then you secure those supplies um, in a possible place in, in you know, your house, your garage, just in case you have to go mobile. But you have eyes on. And then what you do is you get comms up, dude. I mean, it's tactics. You start trying to contact people. Well, you know, during most situations, emergency situations like uh, down in Katrina, we saw all cell phone carriers dropped out. Nobody was able to get a phone call out, right? Nobody knew what was going on. Yeah. So one portion of supplies you need to have on hand during any kind of emergency would be secondary or tertiary communications. And I always tell people Citizens Band Radio is probably the best. And I've operated with crypto. I've operated with some very high-tech communication systems in the military. But I'm going to tell you, for civilian application, it is probably the best thing uh, that you could purchase uh, during any scenario. Number one, it's analog. It's old technology, right? It's line of sight. You don't have to worry about repeaters. Two, if, if, if you're trying to figure out what's going on, all you have to do within the 72 hours is head out during a certain time. Um, make sure you're safe when you're heading out, but get near a freeway or a highway or a road, flip that bad boy on, listen to the trucking channels, which, which would be 17, 18 and 19. The best information that you can give during any kind of, or get during any kind of emergency, believe it or not, is from truckers. Why do you think that is? Because we're always moving. We're always talking and, you know, we'd have the CB radios to communicate when we don't have our phones. Correct. You got, you know, the, the truckers are mobile. They're on the road. They just went through that roadblock or guess what? They're coming up on a roadblock and, and they're going to be talking and they're going to be talking about what they've seen. At the same time, you gather intelligence, man. You could, you can have a map. And I, this is another thing too. Everyone relies on their phone and electronics. Have a freaking chart or a map of your area. So when you go out and you try to listen and try to gather that intelligence, and you, you could document it on, on a map. These truckers are going to say, hey, I'm on 16 right now, but it's totally locked up. And I just drove past this road and they have law enforcement on it. Guess what you're doing? You're documenting all that information and you're getting a big, bigger battle picture. Um, but the, I, I think the rule of 72, it's, it's what I preach. Not a lot of, uh, not a lot of survivalists uh, go the tactical route um, that I go. But you know, like I said, if, if you're relying on your backpack and, and your tools, you need to understand your cool little trinkets are, are they're not going to help you survive, right? Your experience and your mindset, right? Your training, it, it, that's what's going to make you survive. And I always tell people, 
you know, <clears throat> even the avid person that's just trying to build something up, you know, they're spending all this money going on Amazon. They're buying, you know, water filter, which are, which is good, right? A water filter, right? Prime example. Mm-hmm. You go on, how much do you think those portable water filters cost? Well, you have the Sawyer filters, you have the life straws, you've got the, I've got a, a water bottle with a filter in it. Um, you know, that was anywhere from 12 to $20 or so. Okay. So you could probably get, what, what, what do they, what do they talk about? You can get a couple hundred thousand gallons through that, right? Something like that. Yeah. And I, right. I saw another one where it's a, this company who makes them and the, the testing is done in a muddy water hole to where you shove the filter through the water and it completely cleans it all out. You know, obviously you don't want to do that in a, in a day-to-day scenario. You'll plug up that filter, but his testing of it, and he had pure water after he was done. So this is the, the route that I try to teach is totally different. Um, and, and again, it's all about tactics, right? And having that experience and that knowledge, I would tell people, first thing you need to be doing before you buy these filters, these, you know, $20, $100 filters, buy a $5 book on how to procure water, how to make makeshift filters, understand the science of filtering your own water. That's what you need. And and the point I'm trying to make is you need to be investing more in your experience, in your knowledge than in equipment. And that's probably the biggest thing that I could preach to people. And it's very easy for people to turn around and say, Hey, I just got, you know, I just spent a thousand dollars on Amazon. I bought all of the food stores and, you know, we got filters and I got masks. Right. Yep. And then it would probably make, it would probably make you feel good. Wouldn't it? But at the end of the day, what happens when those items are destroyed? What happens when you lose those items? They're gone. Do you have the knowledge to, procure water? Do you have the knowledge to filter water, to sanitize water? That's the point I'm trying to make. I think the biggest thing you could do in any survival situation, especially when you're building a plan, is invest in yourself, invest in the knowledge. And I tell a lot of people, I'll throw you a bag of all those cool little Gucci trinkets, and you're gonna, and we can go into a situation, you're going to look at me and say, dang, this dude, he's got a jacket, uh, you know, he, might, he looks like he's wearing a scarf, looks like he has a knife on him, and that's it. And it would blow your mind to see how I thrive in a situation like that because I'm not relying totally on the equipment I'm carrying. I'm relying on my experience. I'm relying on my knowledge of survival. So that that's probably the biggest thing that, you know, if we're talking about what you should get, I think that's the biggest thing that people need to push towards is, you know, understanding basic first aid, take a class, right? Go learn CPR, go, you know, and I know, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that might teach TCCC. Um, in the military, we, we train out it all the time. It's uh, tactical, you know, triage and care, uh, combat casualty uh, care. Um, and it teaches you how to deal with, you know, real life scenarios, right? Like knife wounds or, um, you know, uh, major cuts, um, you know, gunshots, stuff like that, uh, major broken bones, uh, you know, the stuff that just the first, you know, the first aid and uh, some of these, you know, CPR classes obviously are not going to teach you, but that's what you need to invest in, you know. But again, you have people that will go out and buy these $300 Delta bags and these EMP bags. 
like me, I have a makeshift hospital in my house, but guess what? I have the experience uh, to, to utilize every tool. I have enough experience to understand epidemiology and little virology and uh, physiology when it comes to the human body to take care of my family and take care of myself. In a, in, in a bad situation, even a light scrape can turn into an infection. Next thing you know, you have sepsis and you're freaking dying. So I, I, I think a lot of people just rely on equipment nowadays. And I think what they should be doing is reaching out, getting the knowledge, get these books, understand first aid, understand, um, uh, you know, survival skills, understand how to plant your own food. You know, we're looking at a supply shortage probably coming up. Um, I'm very, a, a very quickly, we're going to have a supply shortage. Correct. Um, but from my side of the house, you know, even to buy my property, I ensured that when I purchased my property that I had a viable water source nearby. I have wetlands on my property. I have a deep well. Um, I, I don't have county water. The only thing I have running to my home is, uh, you know, county electricity, but I have backups for all of that. You know, I have chickens. I, I plant crops every year. Um, so another thing that people should probably look at in regards to what they need to be purchasing is dry stores, right? Get your flat, get your basics. I see all these people that go out to these, uh, what, what's a major company, survival company, Wise? Wise Family or something like that, or Patriot Food Source or something like that. Um, yeah, the the so meal. Have, um, God dang. Yeah, it's Patriot something. Patriot. Yeah, I'm not trying to plug them right now. And I actually tell people try to stay away from those companies because there is information there. And this is just for me. This is not factual data, but this is this is what we talk about in my inner circles that. Um, you know, the federal government, they know everything that you're doing. The federal government, you know, obviously listens to your phone calls and everything like that. They also, you know, they hit up these big survival companies that are sending people, you know, year supplies of food. And guess what? The federal government knows who's purchasing what. Um, so, you know, just, I try to tell people to be self-sustainable, get, get the knowledge, get the experience and start doing it yourself. Uh, but if, you haven't had an EAP, you don't have an emergency action plan, you don't have a plan right now, the best thing you do is go out and buy a whole bunch of flour, dry stores. I would say buy flour, buy sugar, and they're multi-purpose, right? Sugar, salt, you you can make IVs out of them, right? Sugar can be used for so many different things. You could uh, uh, take, uh, you know, f- fertilizer and mix it in with sugar, and then you got KNO3, you got rocket fuel. You, you, you the, the things that you can do with some of these products, man, um, can maximize your total survivability. But for for the sustainability portion, I would just get flour, sugar, um, salt, baking powder, something that, that you can carry bulk of and you can make something simplistic such as bread. Okay? Okay. You know, people people are out there, they're purchasing these, you know, being in the military, we ate MRE. Right, three thousand calories, and they have chefs that make them now, and oh, they're good, and this and that. During a situation like that, man, you know, if you're thinking Gucci, man, you're already behind the power curve. You got to think about how can I make some bread real quick, and how can I have this last, and how can I maintain my food storage, and again, make it something simplistic as bread and having water, right, and, and possibly some vegetables uh, around is is 
like a force multiplier, dude. I think people are just, again, wrapped around the axle. Where, hey, I'm going to go get all these MREs. And, you know, I'm going to get... Yeah, um, you and everybody you else. Know, go to these... Correct, right? Uh, but like I said, you know, these items, they, they number one, are multifaceted. You can use them for so many different things. You can use sodium uh, to clean. So salt will clean. Uh, again, sugar is a good bonding agent. It's, a, it's an accelerant. You could use it for so many different things. And then on top of that, if we ever do have a major collapse, nobody's going to want to buy or trade an MRE. People will trade flour. People will trade these dry stores. And then you can minimize how much you give people to on top of that. So um, another good thing, and I'm sorry if I'm just talking. Let me nope, know if you want nope, me to like Nope, you're good. Up and, <laughs> you're, you're good. <laughs> uh, on, on, you know, on top of that, what I try to preach people to is agriculture, man. So obviously, you know, giving a, a man a fish, just like in the Bible, you know, it's going to feed him for a day. But if you teach a man how to fish, it's, it's going to feed him for a lifetime. So what I try to tell people is, yes, have these dry stores. Have a good amount of dry stores that will get you at least six months into an emergency. And you're probably sitting there thinking, like, six months, man. They always tell me a month. Well, look at it this way. Help might not come. So store up enough food, and this goes into agriculture now. So understand your area. Turn some land on your property, right? There's even even during the winter months in certain areas, you could you could plant cold weather crops. On top of that, you could figure out how to grow food in your garage at a certain temperature with certain lighting. Um, there's so many different things you could do. A lot of people turn around and be like, you know, I get guys that hit me up. I live in an apartment. Uh, I'm like, okay, well, how do I grow food? Well, guess what? Go get some seed potatoes. You can get them on Amazon. They're pretty cheap. Cut them up. Get them into bags, and, and you can put that inside. Put some soil in there. You can actually grow potatoes in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things you could be doing right now. But what I try to tell people is having the food storage, number one, should get you to your first set of crops. And that's where that knowledge comes into play that I was talking about earlier instead of just buying stuff. Because eventually, if you're just, if that's your mindset, that I'm just going to buy a whole bunch of stuff, what happens when that runs out? What happens when it gets raided? What happens when you have to leave and you can't take it with you? Then what? Yeah, panic sets right? in. Right. So the knowledge, I, I tell people the knowledge needs to be there first. And, and the basis should be survival skills, the rules of three, you know, three minutes without air, three days without water, three weeks without food. Build your emergency plan around that. And what I mean by that is, Again, the three minutes without without air, uh, it's pretty simplistic. If you can't breathe, you can't fight. I don't know how many situations we I could think about right now where people are like, "Oh, I got a I got a weapon to defend myself with, and I you know I have food." Yeah, do you have air filtration? Because if something happens, it's not you know if if you're if you're looking at a major scenario. Let's say the grid goes down. We always talk about the grid go down. It's it's Try the biggest question out there that people talk about. What happens when the grid goes out? Power goes out. You're going to have stuff, you know, you're going to have city septic systems are going to back up. You're going to have bacteria everywhere. Who knows what's going to be in the air, right? We don't know. You know, we possibly could have gotten attacked, right? You don't know what's airborne. And look at what we're dealing with right now in regards to the pandemic, right? So I always tell people, if you're going to build a plan, always start with the rule of three and work your way out. Rule of three, simple. 
three minutes without air. A normal person can't hold their breath anything longer than three minutes, unless you're a freaking Navy SEAL and you've been practicing skip breathing, yeah. right? But that's it's, it's simplistic, right? So what, what, what I'm trying to say about that is the first thing in your emergency action plan you should have is some kind of air filtration. So let it be, uh, you know, uh, a P100, you know, a mask, um, the MFA mask, uh, a gas mask, something that is going to filter out 99 to 100% of airborne particulates, uh, charcoal-based, right? Um, if you are going to run like a, a half mask, I would, I would say get a good HEPA filter that's going gonna to take chemicals out of the air as well. Right. You can get this at probably Home Depot. They're a little expensive, but at the end of the day, I mean, that's your respiratory system, right? Yes. If you yeah. can't breathe, you can't, you can't breathe, brother, you can't fight. And I think that that's probably the biggest check in the box that a lot of people, especially people that are like preppers, right? Because I talk to preppers all the time. They ask me and they, they just give me this dumb look. And I'm like, oh, you didn't you didn't think about that one, did you? Right. And if you have a family, now it's times four or five, right? And then think about think about it on top of that. If you go mobile, do you know what you're driving for? Do you know how to set containment in your vehicle to ensure that you don't have particulates coming through your fan system? You know, you're not breathing um, contaminants in. You don't know what you're driving into, right? Correct. So yeah, the the first thing the first thing you should build your emergency plan around is breathing, right? Rule of three, three minutes without air. And then the rule of three is just, it has you remember this. Um, the next thing you should think about, again, just, we already hit on this, water. Your body is made up of what? 60, 70% water? Water, yep. And without, without water, your organs are going to shut down. Um, you get dehydrated within three days, you're not going to think right, you're not going to operate right. So, you got to build a plan about having, number one, a way to filter water. Two, a way to store water. A lot of people are like, oh, I have a water filter. Cool. What happens if you don't have a water source near you? That cool little life straw ain't going to help you out. You know. So in your emergency plan, you need to, one, identify, do I have the means to filter water when I find it? Do I have the knowledge? Not the equipment. Do I have the knowledge to make and understand the science about making a filter? Right. Um, and then two, finding a viable water source nearby. Right. That's that's key. You know, a lot of people are again, they'll turn around and say, well, I got a I got a, you know, a, a life straw on my bag. I'm good to go. OK. I seriously doubt that. But I mean, if it makes you feel better. So have that. Um, and then, you know, typically we try to, I, typically I try to tell people one gallon a day per person. That's a lot of water. It's, that is a lot of water. Like, it, it is, but I mean, that's record. think about it like this. It's not just about drinking the water. It's about processing your food. It's about mixing it in with what you're trying to eat. It's about cleaning yourself. So that's why it's about one gallon a day, right? You hand out one gallon a day and you tell somebody, break this portion down for what you're going to drink today. This portion is going to be for what you make your food with. And the rest is going to be what you clean yourself with. So yeah, one, one gallon a day, that, that's even limited. But the best thing you do for that, like I said, is, is if you don't have a viable water source nearby, um, you could buy bulk water systems. Like I have a, 
I have a camel in my garage right now that, that, that can hold up to 200 gallons that I want to purchase. And I think I've spent like 200 bucks on it. And it's made out of a fruit plastic so it doesn't break down and uh, contaminate the water, which a lot of other people will turn around and be like, well, you know, I got bottled water. Yeah, you have to understand every second that that water is contained by that bottle, that, that plastic breaks down into the water. And on top of that, if you're dealing with chemicals, if you're dealing with some kind of emergency, you don't know how the particulates in the air are going to uh, react with that plastic holding that water. So, um, yeah, so water is a big thing, obviously. And then the last thing we already hit on uh, would be three weeks without food, uh, 21 days without nourishment, protein, right? So we talked about dry stores. I mean, <clears throat> at the end of the day, if you do have survival food, more power to you, right? But at the end of the day, I try to tell people, you know, make it easy and hold it in bulk, okay? Um, and then make sure that everything you buy, you can use for secondary uses, right? I, I, <laughs> I can't do, do too much with an MRE other than, you know, mix some hot sauce, maybe make it explode. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not, it's not too much I can do with an MRE and break it down, actually use the components inside the MRE to help me survive. Um, so, yeah, just the basics. And then think about your food stores. You need enough food that's going to get you, especially, and even if you have an emergency plan to go somewhere, right? Let's, let's talk about situation, right, uh, that I hear all the time. Uh, going to grandma's house or going to Uncle Larry's house in another state, that's cool. When you get there, is there going to be anything there for you? Do you understand what the climate's like? So when you show up there with your limited resources, what's going to happen after a month? And that's why I try to tell people on top of having to dry stores, have a seed bowl. That's something that I, and here's, here's the trippy part. When this pandemic dropped and they started restricting everything, I don't know, you remember this, yep, right? Going yep. into like, because uh, I, I was in Sam's the same Club boat and stuff like that. Yeah, they would, they would turn around and be like, oh, you only, know, like, you know, everyone, I don't know why everyone's out there buying freaking crap paper. Um, they, they, maybe they thought it was going to be the, the way that they could buy stuff. You know, you're a barter with some toilet paper or something like that. But um, something that I thought was really weird, I went, to, I went to Home Depot and I was picking up some wood. And they were really limiting everything that you could purchase. I was like, wow, this is, you know, they, they got stuff over in the corner, but they're blocking it off. They're not letting anyone buy it. And I remember I walked past the seed aisle and I looked at, one of the workers there. And I said, why is that blocked off over there? They said, well, we can't sell these. And I said, what do you mean? And he just, he, the individual just looked at me and, and just said, you, you know, that my boss said we had to block these off. I don't know why, but we're not allowed to sell these seeds. And I thought it was really, really weird that during normal operations outside this pandemic, it was cool. You could buy heirloom seeds. You could buy, Seeds for corn, pumpkin, squash, whatever you wanted. But as soon as the pandemic dropped, no, um, you know, this, this Home Depot literally was like, uh, we're not allowed to sell these. And I'm thinking like, who told you that? Same thing for the right? online companies so, too. They, they stop those online companies who send out the seed um, packages of, you know, your, your tomato plants, cucumber, celery, you know, all of your different variables of, of vegetables or whatever else you plant they stopped the shipment of those from those companies. They said, those are not essential companies. You can't, you're not open anymore. But, you know, and we know better. 
it had nothing to do with them being essential. Correct. Okay. During the tactician I am, I'm sitting back, I'm like, man, this is warfare. This is their way where they could limit product and make you go to them for help. Think about it like this. The government enacts a mandate. As you believe, it's the end. Doesn't want you to live off grid because we've seen what over the last 20 years, it's illegal now to live off grid. It's illegal to homestead. Why? Why is it illegal? Why would it be illegal to live off your own land until the government screw up? Because I'm going to tell you, after I retired out of the military, that was, that was my biggest dream. I literally wanted to go move somewhere, homeschool my kids because of the stuff I've seen in this world, and just say, you know what? I'm good. You guys do you, and I'm going to do me. But for some reason, this government and good governments around the world, they don't want that. They can't track they you. They don't want you living off the grid. Well, not only they can't track you, they can't control you, okay? If you're out there producing your own food and you're self-sustainable, you could flip the middle finger to them 24-7 and tell them to kiss off, right? So as soon as this pandemic drops, obviously a lot of people don't have the mindset that, that, that I had. And you know, my wife, she, she's on board with everything. She, she, she's a patriot through and through. Uh, again, she's Australian. Um, so she sees what is truly, you know, happening in her country and in, in, in the, the tyranny that, you know, the Australian government is dropping on um, our family over there. But at the beginning, you know, I started talking about this and she was just, you know, she was just like, I don't know if that's really, you know, I'm like, you know, I don't want to get into an argument with my wife. Right. And she's, she's normally clean cut right down the middle. She, she doesn't go down the rabbit hole, but I mean, I've already been, dude, I've been living in the rabbit hole. Right. I've been <laughs> yes, living I've been living. I've been living in this rabbit hole, waiting for the rest of society to pop down in there with me, so I could. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is what we got going on. You guys tracking? But I just thought, I just thought, wow, if this is truly about our health, security, safety, if 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 you know FEMA and these government agencies are telling you what to stock up with, but then at the same time they're limiting what you could stock up on so that you could be self-sustainable. This is an issue. This is a tactic. Um, this is this is their way to have you simultaneously think that they're here to help so that you go rely on them uh, for what you need. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at with that one. Hopefully I answered. Did I, did I, you did. I killed both. For me, it's my daughters live in the Tri-Cities. So for me, my, like, and I have a go bag, um, but it is, it is, I'm, I'm one of those dum-dums who have not been trained on it. I, I, I'm, I'm fairly smart. I, you know, I'll, I'll throw out the camping reference. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. What I was trying to say is you're not a dum-dum. You just, you know, obviously everyone has their own life experiences and my life experiences are different than anyone else and just like I said you have survivalist training people on buying these go bigs because guess what at the end of the day it makes them money dude correct you know, that's, that's probably the biggest thing when i come when i come across these survival channels and i you know i i put together a small survival business down in san diego where i was teaching tactical urban and wilderness survival and that was the biggest thing that would always piss me off when i was looking at tutorials is you have these individuals who are like, oh, I was in the military. And it's like, you do research on them. Oh, they were only in the military for four years. Cool, thanks for your service. You probably have some experience. But the first thing that they go to, and I'm not trying to take away their service because, you know, military experience, especially in 
survival situation is probably the best that you can rely on. But the first thing I see in these videos is these people are sporting somebody else's equipment. And I'm thinking, are you, are you telling people to buy this because it makes you money? Because, you know, my mindset and how I've been trained, that's not what you need to be telling people. You need to be training people. You need to be giving them the education first. But I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I've come across videos and people are just like, hey, this bag I got through this company and here's this knife through this company. It's like, bro, like, teach people knowledge. Teach, teach somebody the knowledge because guess what? Once it's in your head, brother, it ain't going anywhere. Correct. Nobody can take that information away from you. You could use that, that knowledge and sharpen it every time. And guess what? You could pass it on. That's the coolest thing. Right? So, uh, but back to the scenario we're talking about, the mobile security, uh, trying to set up a 360 degree. You, you were talking about your, your daughters live in the Tri-Cities, right? Yeah. So, and and um, from me, you're, you're from getting from Spokane to get to them is my very first okay. obligation. And it, it will depend okay. on your, after, so, you know, your 72 hours, how am I getting down there? And okay. then, and then I've got scenarios Correct. and plans all written out of how am I going to do this? I just don't know how, you know, until that time presents itself. And that's for natural disaster. That's for worst case scenario. That's for, you know, whatever it, it, it it'll be all the same plan. You just don't know what plan to use until it's told to you what plan you need to use. Correct. So, so let's do something a little different um, on on your show. Let's kind of dice. Let let me dissect your plan if you don't mind. Now, obviously, okay. you don't want to give away too much. Yep. Yep. Let's let's give the mindset. Let's get into the mindset of how we can hone your emergency action plan. So, you're telling me that your major plan right now is wherever you're at is to get to your daughter. Correct. Okay. So. Your, your daughter lives in the Tri-Cities. Does, does she actually live in the cities? Uh, they live, she live, they in live a, right outside of, of the main Tri-City area. With her, it's her. It's my two okay. daughters, my ex-wife, and and her um, her wife. Okay. So so look at it this way, and, I, and, and we'll kind of back it up a little bit. A lot of people in, in a lot of people that I talk to, they always talk about they have an emergency plan where they're going to run for the hills, right? Right. They're going to run into the woods somewhere and magically they're not going to be touched by whatever situation is going down. Let me give you a little, little knowledge. The, let's just say civil unrest always follows any kind of major emergency if there's no federal funding or no federal backup or no state backup, right? It always turns to chaos. Thank God we haven't seen it on a large scale, right? But let's just say something does happen. Um, Again, I always talk about the grid down, say the power goes out. And we understand that there's, there's multiple uh, uh, power stations around the United States. And if those go out, I mean, it takes, I, I think I was reading a report, it takes like a year just to build some of those transformers, right? So let's just say all this, all this power goes out at one time and you're, you're, you're in Washington State and you're like, I got to get to my daughter. Um, Understand one thing, in a tactical situation, people don't understand the, the reason we had a problem in Iraq tactically uh, is because we were fighting in an urban setting, okay? Um, it, it's really hard to fight insurgency or any kind of major civil problem in um, an urban setting. 
that's why in urban setting, whenever, whenever people tell me, hey, I live in the cities, I got to get the hell out of the cities. I turn around and say, why? Why would you run away from all of the resources that you have in a city and run to the, to, to the wilderness? And they tell me, well, I'm going to go run to the woods and, you know, uh, you know, the government's, you know, doing ABC and D. Listen, it takes two seconds to get uh, a, a, uh, an ISR drone up in the air and, and run reconnaissance, but I can find your heat signatures in the woods. But do you know how hard it is to, to pick um, taxable assets in an urban setting? It's, 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 that was the whole reason we had a problem uh, in Iraq, to get rid of insurgency, to, to deal with civil uh, problems. Unless you truly want to just level the whole damn city, it's actually better for you. And again, I'm going against so many. Di- I guarantee you people out there that train are like, no, man, get out of the cities, man. You got you to get out of it. No. The cities are perfect. You have enough resources. You have communications set up. You have different avenues of uh, ways to get around, whether it be on the street, um, you know, down in the sewer systems, uh, through buildings, right? Uh, if it really got crazy and you live in an apartment, you know, and everyone left, you could literally punch holes in walls and you could be on the other side of the apartment, um, you know, going out the other door. There's so many things that you could do in a city that you can't do in the wilderness. Um, but on top of that, you know, there's going to be unprepared people and there's going to be more resources in the city. So I, I think, you know, the major mindset in regards to bugging out, people are so afraid, like, I, I need to get out of the cities. You know, something was truly was going to go down. I, I, I know we were going to talk about FEMA camps, stuff like that. The reason they have these camps, and, and think about the location of some of these camps that they're talking about. Are they in the city? I, I don't have an answer. I know like the only one that I really know about is, is Katrina when it comes to actual FEMA camps. But that took three weeks right. to set up. Okay, so would it blow your mind to understand that FEMA actually has documented camps all around the United States? And I'm going to let you know, a majority of those camps are out in the middle of nowhere. You have to ask yourself why. Because it's hard to contain individuals in a, a, a city setting, in an urban setting. Um, let's talk about uh, 1940s Germany. And I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't want people to, to think we're talking about the atrocities. But think about why the Germans pulled certain individuals out of the cities. It would have been hard to fight a rebellion within those cities. That's why they had to extract them from the cities and get them to a secondary location. So whenever I talk about tactics, like tactics, if something goes down, unless there is major danger, um, major danger in those cities, I, I always tell people to stay put. Rule of 72. Rule of 72. Rule of 72 in those cities. Sorry, my, my, my son was just yelling at through the door. <laughs> I, I was um, actually, my son's out playing, uh, hitting off the, the tee in the garage, and I th- swore I just heard the glass break because my daughter's car is in the garage. Oh, but I'm like, all right, I don't hear any screaming, so I think we're all right. So that was that was crazy timing. Um, yeah, I know your rule of 72 you with your uh, AEP, um, you know, your emergency action plan, 72 yeah. hours to understand what's going on, try to reach communication, you know, stuff like that. Correct. Yeah. So like I said, stay put, get a level head, set security, go over your supplies and conduct reconnaissance, get viable information before you even think 
of going mobile. And, uh, and here, I, I got a story for you. So the reason why I'm against uh, people putting together EAPs that are going to put them on the road, that are going to put them in different locations, is, is simple. Uh, I was uh, I was helping an individual in San Diego. The guy the guy said, you know, he was ex-military, and he's like, hey, I built this um, emergency plan. Can you help me uh, hone it? And I said, yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I do. And, uh, you know, so he, he hit me up and, you know, got out early in the morning and I said, okay, we're going to link up and, and you're going to take, and he says, well, you know, my plan is to, to head into the mountains, uh, up, up near Verona. And this is, uh, SoCal. So right outside San Diego. And I said, okay. I said, so grab everything that you normally would leave with. That is the major thing. Anything that's in your plan, you need to have in your vehicle we're going to pretend like this is zero hour. You're telling me you're going to bug out. Let's just do it. Um, and he didn't know I was kind of setting them up. Right. Cause you know, being a tactician, I like punching holes in people's plans, not to have them go away crying, but to have them understand, um, that their plans just really are not going to work and they're not really that feasible. Right. So we link up, picks me up. We start going down the road and I said, well, where are we going? He says, we're going up North 15. And I was like, cool. So we're, we're flying. I said, get off here. And he, and he says, what? And I said, get off here. And he, he gets off on the exit. And he stopped at the light and says, well, what am I doing? I said, I don't know. You tell me. And he says, uh, uh, I said, don't look at your phone. I said, do you have a paper map? He's like, no, I don't. I said, well, that, that, that road is locked down. Where are we going? And he literally just stood there like, wow. I said, okay. We're going to get back on the road. Check one. Right? Know your surroundings. No secondary route just in case something goes goes down. Um, I even asked, I said, have you ever driven this before? He's like, no, I just, you know, I have this plan. I said, that's number one of your problems. People come up with these cool plans, but they never, they never introduce them. They never iron them out and actually go through with them. And I'm going to tell you, you're, you're setting yourself up for failure. If you have a plan to leave, what you need to do before the emergency hits is you need to take one two, three times travel that plan with um, the equipment, with the people that are in that plan, and start throwing variables at yourself. Start throwing yourself monkey wrenches, right? Start getting off the road here and figure out, okay, how do I find A, B, C, and D, right? Iron your plan out. But a lot of people, I'm going to tell you, and probably some of the listeners are like, damn, I've never, you know, I just, I I said I was going to go to Uncle Joe's house. Well, have you ever driven there with all your stuff? Do you know how long it takes you to get there, right? Do you know which fuel it's going to take at a certain speed? Do you know of all the refueling stations along the way? Do you know of local municipalities? Do you know if certain areas you're driving through are, you know, left-leaning, right-leaning, right? Do you, do you know the geopolitical arena that you're driving into, right? Um so back to the story, you know, we get off the highway, I get him back on the highway, and he's just kind of looking at me like, man, this dude's going to tear me up. And I'm like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I so am. We start going down the road even further. Oh, 100%. We go, start going down the road even further, and I, I did it two or three more times, and he's getting pissed off. And the point I'm trying to drive home is, yeah, that's a cool plan, but life and emergencies don't give two Fs about your plan. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you have a plan, you need to destroy those plans. You need to implement them and destroy them so that when it does happen, number one, you keep a level head. There's a checkpoint up the road. You get out there. You don't look too suspicious by pulling the wheel 90 degrees at 60 miles an hour and make yourself a target, right? You just 
okay, cool. I'm going, this is where I wanted to go. Um, so we get back on the road, we're, we're heading up there. And I said, well, what, when do you think we're going to get there? And he's like, I don't know. I was like, all right, there's another check. You need to, when you have a plan, you need to have a start time and an end time and anything out of that, you need, you need to understand that, that, that there are certain variables that you're not going to be able to control. And you need to understand if it's even feasible during an emergency, right? If you're still 10 miles out and, and crap's getting crazy and it's going to take how many hours and it, you know, d- d- however many minutes and how many miles away, like you got to think on the fly. So we're, we're driving on the road. He's got all this Gucci gear. And that, that was the, as soon as I saw that stuff, I was like, wow, dude, like he's a pretty stout guy, but he's got, he's got his Alice pack. He's all tacked out. And I said, no one ditched the Alice pack. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, look at it this way. I asked him, I said, do you know anything about the gray man tactic? He's like, gray what? I was like, there you go. Write that down. Gray man tactic. Learn how to blend in during major emergencies. Right? Do you think if I'm just wearing just normal bland clothing, I'm not having a big rucksack on my back, I don't look like I have too much to offer anyone. Do you think I'm really going to stand out in regards to an emergency? Because when an emergency happens, you're going to have vultures out there. You're going to have people out there that, that are going to be preying uh, on people because they never prepared. So I, I tell, I told him it was like this cool Alice pack, this military gear that you got going on, get rid of this. Unless you're conducting combat operations, don't load all your crap into a camouflage bag that you're throwing on your back. Cause the first thing that I'm going to think when I see you walking down the road is like, all right, supplies, this guy's got some stuff. Yeah. This guy's got something I'm gonna follow him and I'm going to go after this guy. You're making yourself a target. So gray man tactic, anyone listening, it's easy uh, to understand. You could just go on Google, type in gray man tactic, and it just gives you an overview of how to, how to be not seen when you're seen. How to, you know, blend into situations and don't bring attention to yourself. This would be definitely viable for your situation. You're talking, you want to get to your daughter. So do you really think that loading up all the stuff and throwing on your, 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 your khaki pants and, you know, getting your knife in your pocket and, you know, having a sidearm on you and got the tactical jacket on with the, the tan hat. Do you think that that's probably the, the way you should dress going into a city during an emergency? It's going to draw some Probably eyeballs not. to you. So, uh, it definitely draws some eyeballs. So in your situation, I would probably, number one, um, learn how to be the gray man. Learn how to not be seen when you're seen. Don't don't stand out. Um, don't have a vehicle that stands out. You know, I mean, I have all these people that get these freaking lifted trucks and, you know, something that's loud coming down the road. I mean, obviously you can't, I'm not saying go ditch your, your vehicle for a jalopy, but, you know, just understand in situations like that, you're not going to want to come in and be like, hey, I, look at me. I got some stuff over here and I'm actually here to do something, right? Um, but anyway, so I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, all right, we're heading up into the mountains now. So we're going into the mountains. And I said, how far away are we from, from uh, the spot? And he says, about a mile. I said, do me a pull over. He's like, what? I was like, pull over. I was like, you got a flat tire. Uh, engine just overheated. He's like, here? I was like, yes, here. Your car just blew up. He's like, wow. So he jumps out. And I said, what are we doing? So he starts grabbing his stuff. And there's, there's a car coming down the road. And 
he just like stopped and waved at him. I said, what are you doing, bro? And he was like, what? I was like, okay, again, during any kind of situation, don't look suspicious when you're conducting an evaluation on your emergency plan, but like, don't draw attention to yeah, yourself. Yeah, don't right? be seen either. Out of the right. You know, we could have easily just stepped down into the ditch because we, we, we saw the lights coming up the road. Just step down into the ditch out of eyes. Like most people are not going to pull over for an empty vehicle. Right. But this dude obviously saw him and you know, I, I'm not there. I'm there, but I'm not there. Right. I'm not critiquing myself. I'm not supposed to be there. But, you know, the guy kind of slowed down and the dude waved at us. What are you doing? I said, during an emergency situation, the last thing you want to do is make contact right off the bat. Um, you need to figure out what's going on. Like I said, you were just mobile. You don't know who this person is. You don't know what the threats are in the area. And if this is that close to your um, bug out area, you shouldn't be letting anyone see. So you get, you know, so again, I'm writing this stuff down. And this guy's like getting that out. But, but, I mean, it is what it is, right? Um, I've done this numerous times where, where I was able to kind of iron out um, through my experience on how to build the plan. I just didn't get this overnight, you know? But um, so I said, okay, we're, we're a mile out. He's like, yeah, I said, let's get walking. So he starts walking up the road. I said, what are you doing, bro? He's just walking up the road. I said, no, 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 down there. I'm going to walk down here with you. So we're tracking it over like, rocks and dirt and loose and he slipped like three or four times and i'm like what kind of medical training he's like yeah i got medical training so obviously a mechanical injury you could probably take care of but that a mechanical injury in an emergency situation that's devastating like you're out of the fight right off the bat but we take it down the road he's got all of this gear on his back and we make it to the point where he want to he wants to enter into the mountains so we start going up and i'm going to tell you we got about a uh, hundred yards uh, and I think it, it was probably like a like four degree or six degree probably like a six degree incline right wasn't too bad but you know going up the mountain um, this dude after a hundred yards so I got to sit down man I'm dying and I said and I just remember looking, looking at him I said did you learn anything today and he's like yeah and I was like look man you're struggling you got too much gear on you I said you make contact with so many different people uh, you know, you, you're not prepared for the unknowns, the, the variables that you can't control. I said, you, you only made it a hundred yards up. What do you think is going to happen when this is the real deal? Your heart rate's going to be elevated. Your, your blood pressure is going to be up. Right. I said, you know, we're, we're calm right now because, you know, we're, we're just training, but dude, you're going to be exhausted right off the bat. So I think the biggest takeaway from going mobile is number one, don't do it right off the bat. I don't care if you have loved ones uh, in different cities that are right down the road. You tell them to stay put. You tell them to stay put. And whoever has the most experience and feels most comfortable goes to the other group. Okay. And I always tell people, guess what's happening? People are leaving the city, right? Not too many people are going to be going into the city. And not too many people are going to bug the people that are rolling into the city. Remember uh, uh, Independence Day is a good, good film. Um, that kind of like when you want to get a visual, remember everyone leaving DC when the, the UFO showed up over the white house. Yep. Yep. Like it was freaking gridlock. He was like gridlock and they were just driving on in one car going in, you know? So I'm, I'm telling you straight up and I'm not saying run to the cities, but I'm saying if you have loved ones in the city, it, it, 
during certain situations, it's actually beneficial to be in an urban setting than in the wilderness. Um, if, if you, you know, we're fearing tyranny right now. We're fearing government um, interjection at this point, especially up in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're fearing forced by the military. Why would you? Why would you want to run to the wilderness? I mean, technology is going to pick you up in two seconds. Like I said, I put a drone up in the air, and I'll find you in the woods. Unless you know how to defeat a drone, there's a lot of us that understand how to defeat drones and um, IR. But you know, your normal person just could be huddled in the woods, and guess what? They got a beat on you. So it's a little bit more difficult uh, to go after people that are in an urban setting. And like I said, more resources. Uh, that in your communications as well. I mean, you want to limit your communications if you do have a CB, if you do have a, a UHF radio, because you're you're giving your radius away. If they can hear you, you're within a mile, let's say, and that's at best. And that's the cool thing about citizens band radio. There's not too many people because it's old technology. And it's There's not too many people that can triangulate uh, your position in regards to that system. But yeah, hand capability, UHF, uh, your bail things, um, uh, uh, GMRF, uh, digital. Number one, they all run off of repeaters, right? Your your CBs don't run off repeaters. It's normally just line of sight unless you have them powered up yeah. uh, and you're using a base station, right? But, you know, when it comes to hand capability, people understand like most of those communications are built off of the grid. They're built off of repeaters in the area. So what, what do you think is going to happen when the grid goes down? All these ham operators would be like, yeah, that's cool. The ones that have base stations, they're the done. ones that have the major above a certain wattage, yeah, they're gonna, those are going to be the, be the ones transmitting. But if you have one of those you know, little handhelds, like, you're not going to get anything out of it. So that's why I always tell citizens, Dan, dude. And uh, you know, it doubles down. It doubles down because, like I said, truckers are going to be talking during any kind of emergency. You get viable um, information right off the bat. So, but you are right. You are right. You know, you, you know, people are using, let's just say tracking capabilities, right? But that's the cool thing about going into a city and using your uh, communications. It's harder to detect where an individual is in a city than it would be in a, in, in a rural area, right? Because you don't have to worry about false echoes. You don't have to worry. It's easier for you to triangulate somebody out in the middle of nowhere uh, that is using some kind of um, uh, EAF, you know, some kind of like you're shooting off some kind of emissions out in the middle of the woods. You get what I'm saying? It's not hard for yep. me to get a meter and get within the vicinity of somebody and figure out, hey, there's somebody transmitting out there. I can literally get a handheld meter and be like, there, there's picking up something in that direction. Well, that's the woods. Well, there's somebody out there. It's a little bit different in the city because guess what you have in the city? Uh, not all the power is going to be totally out. You're going to have residuals. You're going to have a lot of residuals. You're going to have, um, like I said, these false echoes. You're not going to be able to trust what, what, what you're pinging off of is actually somebody um, in that certain direction because you're going to have a lot of radiation going on in a city. So, yeah, you can actually cloak yourself is what I'm saying. But you never, you better know that city. You live in a city and you have a plan to dig you better know your city. You better know where everything's at. You better, and again, this comes on to your emergency action plan. No different route uh, on how to move around the city. Like if I was living in a city, yeah, okay, I'll go down the street. But at the same time, do I understand the sewage system? Do I understand? 
if I have to, you know, move covertly without people seeing that, I probably would go to the sewer system and, and try to move around the city that way because it's all connected. So, I'll, I'll, yeah. there, there's a couple things. Yeah, I'll, there's a couple things I'll say after we're we're done here, so don't hang up. But because I've got a couple yeah. questions, but I don't. I it's in a group setting, and I don't want to. I don't want to say too much for the rest of the people in the group. So I'll ask you something off the you. off the air. Okay, Sounds um, good, Dan. So, so you know, I'm just going to stay on that on that group setting. Well, let me actually, I'm going to back up real quick. I have I have that Canadian okay. Bill C10. Okay, that's and I don't want to dive into it, but yeah. briefly, it's the it's where the government is now watching over. It's where, just like China; they're only allowing what they want on the internet. They're watching over all your social media groups. They're they're the ones controlling the information coming out. That's what I believe C10 right. is. If I'm wrong, you can tell me. But then you've got Kamala Harris rambling about the internet in a. Go ahead. Same day. I, I knew you were going to that. Great minds think alike. I, I love that you were able to connect those two dots on the same day that they invoked and they passed. C10, Bill C10, we have the VP of this nation telling everyone, we care about you getting the best internet that you can get. Like, are you freaking serious? Like, again, like, you must think people are stupid. They have like, to. Like, we, we, we're not putting... Yeah, it just... It blows my mind, right? So, the flow... This is what I think about C10. Obviously, we understand that I don't think the Australian government, so here it is. You have ind- individuals that are in charge of these nations that are linked to, and I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole, but they're linked to the world economic forum. We have these leaders that are, I mean, it's irrefutable. They, they are linked to this group of individuals, right? And I think what happened was they tried it in Australia and they realized they didn't, they're, they're not capable to enforce what they want. So they're just locking that country down. So what they did is they tried to move to other nations uh, in Europe, and they realized, you know, especially London and France, they're getting so much feedback um, from, you know, just individuals saying, you know, this is illegal and standing up to their governments. We're at the point now where Canada, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that whoever is sitting these people down saying A, B, C, and D, this is, this is what you got to do is telling Canada, well, Canada's got the best shot at it, okay? You know, Canada's already, within, what, the last year, they were they were pulling weapons away from people. They're trying to yep. take their rifles away up there, and, you know, then they then they turn around, they choke them out with these mandates, and they they in, inflared the situation uh, by having a dictator that is not listening to his premiers, and, and now uh, he's invoking emergency powers without uh, uh, listening to other premiers, premiers are like governors of, of different areas. He's not listening in it. He's literally taking his orders from a group of people and he has his hand binded because they're just telling him, no, you're going to do this. And this is where it's going to start. We're going to see if we could, we could start this here. And then hopefully, um, you know, that filters down into the U S because you look at C10, you look at the emergency powers act. What do we have here? What do we have here that that's an act that it, that basically duplicates the Emergency Powers Act up in Canada? 
Well, we've got we've got martial law, we've got FEMA, but we've got an emergency declaration that the president can enact, which then produces the martial law. But FEMA now takes control over a lot of different things under Homeland Security. Yeah, so there's two different types of martial law. One's absolute. Uh, uh, the, the other is slipping my my tongue right now. But one is one is basically where the military will step in and be secondary to local law enforcement and assist. Um, absolute martial law is what you need to be afraid of. Because when they declare absolute, if this nation ever declared absolute martial law, that means the, the military is now in charge. Everyone just thinks that there's like one standard of martial law. There's actually two. And absolute is the worst. And what that means is the government steps in, the military takes over. All laws of the land are now suspended. And that means every single citizen in this nation can and will be tried at the UCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. You will be tried by a military tribunal for crimes under what we in the military have to follow. There is no more state laws. There's no more fed laws. It will literally be... Um, whatever articles under the UCMJ they'll, they'll charge you with. And that's scary, man, because a lot of them are high level. A lot of them are punishable quick. And that's something we don't ever want to see here. The point I was trying to make about these, these War Powers uh, Act, we have this thing called the Patriot Act here. And what people don't understand, and it was really crazy, right after 9-11, they had this, I think it was like three or 400 page document that was just ready to go magically, just ready to go um, uh, and ironed out to, to be implemented. Normally bills like that, they take years to iron out, especially when you're talking about uh, superseding other laws and trying to bypass the constitution. The Patriot Act basically strips you of your constitutionally protected rights. Number one, to do process from, right? So that means the government at any time could say, we don't like what you're doing. All we have to do at this point is declare you a domestic terrorist. And I'm sick and tired of hearing insurrectionists in the term domestic terrorist. What they're trying to do is they're trying to normalize it Yes. in this nation. They are trying to normalize it. Um, but the problem with the Patriot Act, uh, and this is me serving in the military. I defended this great nation my whole adult life. I think that that piece of legislation is dangerous. It is dangerous to... Uh, uh, this constitutionally protected republic. Um, that just means that the government can enact it, turn around at any given time, look in your email, listen to your conversation, say, we don't like the way you're talking. We don't like that you're talking bad about what we got going on here. Oh, you believe that, uh, you know, the election was stolen? You don't believe in this full agenda throughout this pandemic? Right, you go to DHS, Department of Homeland Security, you look at their website, it's all up right now. They have criteria on how they will define domestic terrorists. And it, it's, it's weird how we went from two decades of pointing our fingers at a group of people, and now the fingers are pointed in at average Americans. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a precursor, and this is just me, it's a dangerous precursor to them using that act against Americans. And you're going to have people uh, that, you know, we talk about people that are not woke yet. People are literally are ostriches. They have their heads in, you know, in the sand and they allow the government to think for, we have individuals that literally just want to live their lives. They want to go on vacation. They want to, they want to go to Hawaii. So yeah, I'll take the jabby jab and I'll do whatever the government tells me. And 
I'll push whatever information because I just want my life back. What they don't understand is we're never going back to normal. People don't understand. There has never been a government in the history of mankind that once has received the powers, the full power of the people has ever relinquished it to the people. You ever ask yourself why we are in major emergencies 24-7? Because they found that all they have to do is declare an emergency through the state, through, through Fed law, separation of power, 10th Amendment. It doesn't matter if the feds declare an emergency or the states declare an emergency. They've realized with the declaration of emergency that they are able to bypass certain constitutionally protected rights. We've been in a state of emergency for the last two years, and these people have not relinquished their power to the point where they just had the Super Bowl the other day. They just had this. The main reason why we're supposed to be in this major state of emergency is what? Because of the pandemic? But the, everywhere I turn, the, the information is changing, right? The narrative is changing. Um, you know, you look, uh, you watch the Super Bowl. Did you see anyone wearing masks? None. I didn't see any celebrities. Nope. Yeah, buddy. I didn't see any celebrities. And these are the same celebrities. And, and the funny thing about the internet is it, it, it's kind of awesome. You could go back and look. And I know they're trying to scrub people's social media accounts, and I know they have fear agents, but you can go back and look at these same Hollywood, you know, socialists that literally have been pushing this whole time. Get the jab. Quit being selfish. Wear a mask. Don't be stupid. But the second we see them all in public together, what are they wearing? Everyday clothes, not caring. They're hugging, shaking hands. Not a... Not a mask in sight. But here, here, yeah, and the funny thing is you go back to, we go back to talking about the, the certain percentage of this nation that have people think for themselves, right? Those people were told by these people to do A, B, C, and D. And those people eventually try to defend them. So my, you know, I had somebody be like, well, you know, you know, you're at the Super Bowl and, you know, you know, it, it is what everyone's telling you. want me, you want me to believe everyone gets tested going in there. You want me to believe that after all this data that's dropping out and how they spin up these cycles, these epidemiologists and these people that understand these tests are like, they spin them up so many times that you can get a false positive off the air. But it just, it just boggles my mind that we're still talking about this. Mm-hmm. It boggles my mind that there are people that literally are, are gophers running out there and getting the latest and greatest, you know, jabby jabs from these criminal companies. I mean, Pfizer alone, you can Google Pfizer. They, they they were found criminally liable in federal court. We're not talking about just liable for a lawsuit. They were found criminally charged, right, in regards to uh, the product they're pushing out, right? So here's the difference, and I'll give you a little back, back bill on Fed law. To be found criminally charged as an entity, what do you think you have to have? What do you think Compromise you have to have? Compromise data. Not only compromise that you have to provide um, that they knew what they were doing. To be fine criminally charged, you have to define intent, brother. So that means, and you could Google it right now, you can Google it later. You type in who paid out the biggest criminal fine um, in the United States or in the world. It, it's Pfizer, the company. They were found criminally liable, which means this company knew what they were doing. It was proven beyond a reasonable doubt that they had the intent knowing 
that whatever they were doing was going to harm people. And they, they're like, you know, we'd rather just pay the fine because we made more money off this product anyway. Mm-hmm. These are the same companies that are telling you to go out and get three more of those jab jabs. Would it blow your mind to, to know at this point that the, the CEO Moderna has literally been liquidating stocks for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I was just going to say that, that he's would been it, dumping. And then, I would, then he, he canceled his Twitter account so that nothing oh, was, was oh, seen. He knew- and I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's insane. When you have a CEO of a major company that's involved with the world inoculation, overnight sell his stock and shut down his Twitter handle, CEOs don't close their Twitter handle. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You don't come off of Twitter when you're a CEO of a major company. The truth is coming out, and these people are going to run for the freaking hills, and all of these people that relied on their government for information, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, we don't have the data fully yet, but there's a reason why Pfizer didn't want to let the court. It's, it's trying to uh, hide all of the clinical data that they have on all the individuals um, throughout this trial, because that's all this has been, is a trial, right, an experiment, and they went in front of federal judges and, and told them, can we hold on to this data for the next 50 or 70 years? You have to ask yourself, why? If you want me to go out and get it, and you want me to believe the data, release the data. That shows me intent. You know that that data is, is going to destroy anything that you've been saying. And the federal judge is like, no, we're, we're going to put the data out there. And you, you magically now see... In the news, the mainstream media is trying to link and say, well, you know, these shots are starting to be seen uh, being linked to uh, this issue and that issue. And, um, you know, just magically overnight, the federal government is not requiring hospitals now to report COVID deaths. Isn't that amazing? It used to be that was the number one death. That's right. Flatten the curve, right? I, I remember two years ago, two years ago, going in, I fresh on patrols as a police officer to, to, you know, a year and some change. When this whole thing started, I remember them sitting there and say two weeks, 14 days, uh, flatten the curve, we're going to shut the nation down. I thought, okay, all right. I mean, I'm not with it, but I mean, if this is as serious as they say, yep. I'm an essential worker. I'm going to come to work. I'm going to risk my life. Um, they didn't have PPE for me. I was coming into contact with hundreds of people a day. They didn't, they were talking tests. They weren't talking injections. Um, and that was a year and some change ago, brother. And this is where we're at. We're at the point where they, at the beginning, they said no mask. And then we hear from this goofball, wear a mask. And we hear from the CDC and the FDA and all these corrupt government agencies telling you to do A, B, C, and D. But then they contradict each other every other week. Have you seen Fauci? Have you seen that guy? I haven't seen I mean, him in two weeks. We talk- Talk about one of the biggest snakes in the world trying to push this agenda. I have not seen that guy. Mm-hmm. He's usually on TV every week, or at least he's on mainstream media with that. I don't know why he's zooming to that guy's face the way they do. Everyone else that's on TV can walk up to a podium. It's like they have this guy in a closet somewhere, and they have the blue banner in the background with his big freaking, you know, freaking mouse-looking face trying to tell you what you need to do this week. Trying to tell it all, oh, you can't, you know, enjoy Christmas. With like, where is this guy at? I think the truth is about to come out because at the end of the day, and I'll, I'll leave it at this: people are starting to wake up. 
People are starting to realize that these entities have been lying to them 24-7. The hypocrisy between the people telling them they need to do A, B, C, and D, they're not doing it themselves, right? They're, they're starting to realize that the information that they've been told and pushed is not matching what they've been living. Think about it like this. They told us this was the most deadly, contagious uh, you know, virus out there. But if you look at the stats, like I'll break it down. If you look at the stats, you have a greater chance of dying from a normal bee sting um, and not being allergic. And we're not talking anaphylactic shock. We're just mm-hmm. talking about a normal bee sting. You have a greater chance dying from that than you do from this. So we have to inject the world. We have to push pharmaceuticals. And that's what they push. They didn't talk about going outside, getting vitamin D, uh, gut health, probiotics. No, we're not talking. No, you need to take this crap. But the people are waking up because they're starting to realize, like, okay, where are these numbers? Because the only numbers we're hearing is hospitals. And people are starting to sit back and after a year say, well, I don't know too many people that passed away at home from this. If this is truly a pandemic, it wouldn't matter where you're at. There would be millions of people dropping in the street. Correct. Your more there your morgues would be, would be overflowing. Correct. There, there would be there would be millions of people just dying at home in their sleep. There would be people driving in their cars passing away. It, it, it just magically, for some reason, their last breath is always in the hospital, or at least that's the data we're given. People are starting to wake up and they're like, "Hey, how come we have this homeless camp that just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger out there?" Shouldn't those people be wiped out? I mean, from how they've been scaring the whole world, shouldn't they be gone by now? Mm-hmm. It's just, we're living in this. We're living in, and I, and I, you really have to look at these governments and how they're trying to define misinformation. We're, we're talking about administration here that literally we had, we had uh VP Harris. She came out and uh, on national TV turned around and said uh, in, in one of her talks said, uh, in one month alone, we lost over 250 million people. That's 60% of our country. Like, does this lady, but right. But I go, I go on social media. I go on social media and I try to present the facts and I get docked. Mm-hmm. I get people that come at me and I have these social media uh, providers tell me I'm passing misinformation, but crap like that to be out in the open. You know, we got, we got, uh, uh, Whoopie pants in the freaking uh, White House right now talking about there's only 40 people left yeah. that haven't been vaccinated. Like it's just it boggles my mind. But you need to be you need to be worried when the government starts talking about how they're going to clamp down on misinformation. What they're truly saying is we've realized that you have woken up. We've realized that you're not asleep anymore. We've realized that we were not able to contain this agenda. And you're seeing for yourself that the information we've been dropping is actually truly the misinformation. That's dangerous. And that is exactly what's happening up in Canada. And I'm going to tell you, brother, it's coming to us. And what I'm worried about is that one act, that Patriot Act. That that thing is the scariest piece of legislation. And this is coming from a retired combat vet. This is coming from, a, 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 you know, a, a, an ex-federal police officer. This is scary. Your government is literally going to turn around when you stand up and say, bull, bull crap, we're done with this, and turn around and say, well, hey, you know what, we've been watching you for a while, social media accounts, emails, phones, whatever. Um, you know, the Patriot Act gives us authorization at this point to detain you indefinitely. We could throw you in a hole. I believe that There's when no, Facebook, need- when Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, you know, when all that went down this summer, 
for that eight hour period, I think it was two things that, that they were trying to accomplish. Number one, how is, right. how is this country going to respond to not having their social media for eight hours? Number two, the rumor right. was that the military went in or the army went in to the Facebook servers in California or, or, or into the Facebook, um, uh, corporate offices that down there in California took their servers, copied their right. servers, whatever. And I believe they did that to understand what people are in what groups and they have all the information they need right there. Right. I'm sure they already have it all right now anyway, just because of our phones. This solidified that information. I believe it was done for two those let two me, reasons. Let me tell you something even quicker, right? So, so we'll go back to when I was resigning, right? I had to go to my chain of command. And I remember my leadership turned around and said, hey, you have options at this point. I said, what are the options? And they said, well, either, you know, you get your first round by this date, provide documentation, or you submit uh, a medical or a religious accommodation. And I remember looking at them, I said, I'm not going to submit anything to the government. Why would I do that? And they said, why wouldn't you? I said, number one, legally, constitutional. I don't, the government has to provide me uh, proof that they have the right to tell me. It, it's not in my court to ask permission not to take something that they're trying to force upon me. It is actually the way that our government is set up. It, the ball's in their court. They have, to, they have to prove where they think they have, you know, the Constitution backing them into telling me I need to do something. And my leadership looked at me and they're like, well, you know, I said, look at it this way. I said, let's go a step further. Let's just go ahead and say uh, we have individuals in our form of government that it's tyrannical, right? We have agents. We already know the FBI is corrupt, um, you know, protecting certain entities. Yeah, we're um, learning, we're families, learning more and more names. of that every week. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so I, I looked at my leadership and I just said, number one, you're not going to get a medical exemption from me because they've already shot holes in that. Uh, the first thing that they're going to turn on and say, well, you're vaccinated, right? You, you, you're up to date on your vaccination. This is the same thing. Well, the problem is it isn't. These are experimental medical treatments. These aren't vaccines. In the middle of the night, they changed. Uh, Fauci and all his fools went in and actually changed the definition of a vaccine. Prior to all of this, the definition of a vaccine is basically anything uh, that gives you immunity to a certain viral infection. These don't protect you. They don't give you immunity. You, you take it and you, you still get it. But then we hear, you know, people talk, well, it lessens the symptoms. Okay, show me the data on that. Mm -hmm. Show me this freaking data. So I looked at my leadership and I said, you're not going to get a medical for me. And what about religious? I said, well, you know, I, I'm a God-fearing man. I believe, you know, God is talking to me right now. But why would I petition my government and let my government not, not only, number one, know that I have a problem with what they're doing, but tell them, and try to link my religious values to my name and shoot that to the government. Why would I want the government to know what my religious backgrounds are and what my reservations are? And I'm going to tell you right now, now it makes sense. I tried to tell my other officers that were on the fence, I said, don't submit anything to the government. And they're like, well, how do we get, make them fire you then? But don't submit anything because that information that's you writing this out and you're sending it to your gut. Where do you think that information is going to go? I'm going to think you, a collection you, you think pool right gonna, off the bat. Data pool, I mean. Do you think they're just going to shred it? What I was thinking right off the bat, and it's being proven at this time, 
that now they're collecting this data. They're, they, they, they know if you have a religious mindset, there's nothing that, that there's nothing that's going to break you from uh, believing what you're believing. And that's what, you know, a tyrannical corrupt government would want to know. Who do I have that believes that this is not okay all the way down to their religious core? We need to know. And we see how they've been moving a, a very Christian nation from the inception to, like, pulling God out of schools and replacing him with disgusting, communistic crap, right? Can't say God in school, but, you know, we can have, you talk about ABC and D in school. Um, in, Wa- in Washington was State, they're starting satanic groups after school programs. Oh, but we can't have God. Michigan too, we can't have, have God. Ad- God groups, right? It even says it on our money. It says it on our, our fiat. But we can't talk about it in schools, right? And, and that'll be another another. If you ever invite me back on, I don't know if you will after <laughs> this. But uh, um, you know, the point I'm trying to make is there was a report that just dropped the other day stating that over 55 federal agencies, different federal agencies, now have your religious accommodation paperwork why why and they're sharing it why to know like to know how they can attack you i don't know i i, I haven't really put any thought into that it, one okay well the report's out there you can google it they're stating over 55 federal agencies at this point have collected and they didn't talk about medical they talked about your religious exemption why you feel religiously that this is not okay to have this put into your body. Me, if I was tyrannical, I'd be like, put, put, okay, all those people just self-identified themselves. Those are going to be the first people to go. Those people will not change their minds and guess what? They, you, you could probably tell them that you're going to take them out and they will sit there and they say, that's fine with me. I'll go with God. So if I was tyrannical, I'd have that list. I'd kick that to the side because we understand whenever you have religion backing up, uh, any kind of fight, whether whatever side it's on, the fight is a hundred times worse. Right? You look at religious-based uh, wars that we've been engulfed in, and whenever you have that religious mindset, it, it the resolve is solidified. You're not gonna you're not gonna change these people's mind, and it makes a warfighter a hundred times worse. So, of course, of course, the government and the military want to know number one which one of their soldiers have a religious preference against this, right? We have uh, a whole bunch of Navy SEALs right now that are leading the fight in regards to putting a clampdown on these uh, uh, federal military mandates. Uh, I think it's out of Fort Worth. The federal judge just basically put an injunction on the government to try to force some of our tier one level operators, some of our fi- the finest warfighters that we, in this, we have in this nation are literally leading the fight uh, to try to tell the government, hey, dude, like, you don't have the right to do this, and no, we're not going to take this. Like, special forces will be off the table. Mm-hmm. But they, they, you know, you fool that. I mean, you have, you have these deals that are standing up for all other service members, basically standing. But at the end of the day, now you have tier one level guys that are against it. The list just grows. But you have to ask yourself, as a normal civilian, why do these government entities have, you know, why are they collecting it, right? What are they waiting It's already being proved that it's unconstitutional. Like, you're not going to pass. They, they, they said, oh, you know, 
we're, we're still fighting it. We're going to try to find a way around with ocean. No, you're not. The Constitution is pure and simple. You, it doesn't matter. The government, it doesn't matter if you're a separate entity. You don't have the right to force vaccination. Um, it just, it's just the way it is. So, and they know that. So something else is, is bigger. Something else is right around the freaking corner. You know, just like I said, you know, we, we have Canada about to pop off. We have the leader of that country basically stepping away from his form of government and going rogue. He's literally like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put the smack down on these people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock them out of their freaking bank accounts. I was thinking about it earlier today. You know what happened here if you lock me out of my bank account or lock millions of Americans out of their bank account? And maybe that's what they want. Maybe they want us to flip our shit and burn this, this you know, burn it to the ground so they can call in the U.N. Because guess what? Our military forces are all fighting somewhere else. This could be the guys where they say, hey, the reason the United Nations is here is because our forces are fighting over there, and you just have to accept these blue hats running around, and you know they're just trying to help us out. That, that, I, have, I have it written yeah, down. Man. I'm looking at it right now because that's one of my conspiracy theories. I did an entire show on it about different right. – um, about uh, Article 32, about um, – uh, some other things that were that were already put into place, but this this Ukrainian conflict with Russia, we've already got troops over there, and Biden was very quick. Yeah. At, well, let, let's just start putting people over there. Let's spread our military thin, and he needs an emergency. Now, my thought is this Omicron variant came out, and they were thinking that this is, or they were telling everybody that this is going to be the worst, you know, variant. It's supposed to be worse than Delta. We need to be super scared, but it wasn't. So I, so I, I, I have a question for you. Have you ever seen an actual picture of the virus? No. An actual live, like an picture. No, uh, just the uh, one that the virology. news want, the news puts out, you know, for their their broadcast. But that's you know, it's all I'm, fake. Every other week, it's a different color, and they, you know, listen, us who know know, and I, I think you're 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 spot on. I think you're spot on in regards to that. You know, people don't understand the difference. And I'm friends with the Ukrainian community out here. And I talk to these guys all the time. Their, their, their government's corrupt as hell. And I did, I did a, a video on this. I don't know if you saw that video, but I, 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 I kind of broke down NATO. I broke down Ukraine and Russia and why Russia has it. Listen, if Russia wanted to invade, they would have done it already. I'm sorry to tell you. And two, Ukraine is not part of NATO. So under resolutions, our troops shouldn't be over there protecting them. I don't know why our troops are over there in the first place. They are not a, a member of NATO. Now, we understand the connections between the Biden administration, uh, Pelosi, um, uh, who else we got? Harry uh, Reid. Certain Mitt politicians. Romney. Oh, yeah. Admit Romney. Their, their next of kin are literally high-level, uh, uh, you know, high-level individuals in the power companies over there. Mm-hmm. So you want me to believe it's, it's for the sovereignty of, of that nation? I don't believe it. No. Yeah, you know, we, we, listen, we listened to Biden when he was the VP. I don't know if you saw that video where when he was a sitting VP. He, he, this guy, he, this video, I, for it to be even be circulating on the Internet, I don't understand how it's not being used in federal court and why he, he was not impeached just for that alone. He's literally sitting, sitting in front of the forum, and he says that he flew out 
to Kiev. He flew out to Ukraine because his son, Hunter, was being investigated by a state prosecutor. Yep. And he flew over there because he was, you know, he was get a, the United States was supposed to give Ukraine a loan. This man gets in front of the whole people recorded and says, I flew out there and I told them, you need to fire that prosecutor. Or and, you don't get money and, from us. You know, the, or, or you're not going to get federal taxpayers dollars funded loan. And, and, you know, the, the leaders in Ukraine said, well, you we want to talk to the president about this. And then he even boasted like, go ahead, call him right now. He's like, I leave in a couple hours, make your decision. And then he made that joke, son of a bitch. They fired him. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me that a sitting VP is dangling taxpayers dollars to a corrupt government to fire a prosecutor, state prosecutor of that nation that is investigating his son. What well, I, I don't like, and then people want to argue the fact that DOJ, FBI, these government entities are not corrupt. Are you like, who's going to prosecute? Yeah. That's how far down it gets. You keep having to ask yourself, why did they keep recirculating these, these garbage entities? Right. Well, what was why the distraction they, you know, during yeah, that time? Those, the distraction during that time was, was there, there, President Trump. That He was the one doing it. It was him. Focus on him. And then they had the Mueller report. No, right. he's doing all this stuff. He's the one doing bad. So the And the media is just going crazy on it. That's what the right hand is doing. The left hand on the meanwhile right. is President Biden going, no, we need him fired or else you're not getting any, any state-funded money from us. What's right. the so other hand always so doing? Why do we keep... It's always making moves while the other hand's distracting you. So my 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 main question to a lot of people is, why do we keep having circulated, recirculated garbage ending up in politics? Why do we have Biden that's been a, I mean, I don't know how many videos I, I've watched of him since the 70s, of him, you know, just going in line in front of Congress, lying about who he is, you know, racial comments 24-7, becoming the VP and now he's the president. You want me to believe that that garbage rolls uphill, not downhill. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. That we have fathers and sons just magically becoming presidents of this nation. You're going to tell me that the system is not freaking flawed, right? Just like, I just, some people and they want to talk politics to me. And the funny thing is I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I'm, I'm a constitutionalist. I'm right down the middle. You will never convince me that Republicans and Democrats go behind closed doors to argue for your rights. Two-party system, to me, is it's, it's, it's smoke and mirrors, man. But I think when it comes to Ukraine and Russia, I think what happened was Trump sat down with Putin because they always had a good relationship. Two superpowers in the world. Trump probably told him, hey, these cats are spying on me. I have intel. I know that they're going to steal the election. I need you to do me a favor. Will you watch over the United States when they take over? And I think that is why the left, these Democrats, these individuals tried to connect Trump with Russia the whole time to try to impeach him and make Russia look bad. Mm-hmm. What is, Russia hasn't done anything to us. They want you to still believe it's the USSR, all the communistic values. No. I don't know if you've seen Putin. I'm not saying Putin is a nice guy. The guy was an ex-KGB agent, probably did some dirt, right? But you could tell a lot by a man's stature on how he treats an animal. I remember watching uh, a video. Uh, I, I don't know if it was a Malaysian um, prime minister or someone. It, it, the individual came out with a, a, a St. Bernard. He was holding it by the neck. 
I don't know if you saw that video. He's literally I, I holding a scruff in the neck. The way that, you know, all right, so the way that mom told their dogs right in their mouth. So he's, he's holding this dog. This individual is holding this dog and just dangling them in front of the crowd. People are taking pictures. And Putin comes out of nowhere and it's like cuffing the dog. Like, here, 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 here. Give me, give, give me the dog. And pulls the dog into a suit and just starts petting them. I, you know, the mainstream media wants you to believe we have these boogeymen out there, and you have to, you, you have to really reassess. And I'm not saying Russia's good. I do believe that two superpowers came together, understood that there was this big plan, and I think that that's why they tried to connect it with collusion. You have to ask yourself: in the last six months alone, why did this administration restrict the sales and uh, imports of any kind of Russian-made, uh, uh, you know, firearms or ammunition? What are they afraid of? Are they, are they afraid that Russia is going to come here during some kind of major civil dispute and arm the people of the United States? You know, you have, to, you have to ask yourself, why are they trying to get into a conflict over Russia to keep Russia busy, maybe? Because they understand that Russia probably had a deal. Putin probably had a deal with uh, Trump. So now we're sending all our freaking naval forces over. They'll lock them up into a conflict so that they could do what they want here. Right. People don't understand the reason there's tension right at that border is because. Ukraine is trying to join this gang, right? NATO. I operated in NATO. I believe that NATO shouldn't even exist. This is a group of countries that is outside the United Nations that basically operates by themselves. And if you pick on one of them, their homies show up to back them up. It's a gang. So you have all these, all these nations in this little group, right? Um, strategic nations, right? So Ukraine has been trying to join this gang for the longest time. And NATO hasn't picked them up. Well, the only reason NATO has to pick them up is because to join NATO, you have to give up your sovereignty in certain areas in your nation, right? Trump right. said, F that. Trump got in office. He kicked us out of NATO. And I was like, thank God, don't be tied to that organization anymore, right? It's a huge gang. So he kicked us out of that. What was the first thing that Biden did when he took over? One of the first things. He, he put us right the F back into NATO immediately and then we have this the destabilization we have this he's sending troops over there and i'm going to tell you the ukrainian government at this point is now trying to allow nato to set up their bases guess where the border of ukraine and russia if i were russia i'd be upset too i'd be stacking my troops at that freaking border because i'm going to tell you if i don't like ukraine i don't like the corrupt government and then i find out you're talking to your gang and you're trying to get jumped into this gang oh hell no and now you're going to tell me how now I have to deal with this gang at my border? Hell no. But guess what? The mainstream media and all the smoke and mirrors, brother, they have you believe one thing. They, the, the, the one thing they want is they want you to have Russia on your mind. Because guess what? If Russia shows up here to say, we're here to help you, what are millions of Americans going to think? No, 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 no. Don't want that's that. Russia. We don't know. Russia bad. Right? UN good. And that's another thing. You have to ask yourself, why do we have our military service members ready to spill blood over there when the main job of the federal government is not to tell me what goes into my body? It's not my health and safety, which they've been telling It's not to provide me with high-speed internet. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That is not their job. Their job is to protect the sovereignty of this nation. Guess what they're not doing? We have an open border to the South. Over the last year and a half, We've had hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants entering the border. And not only not only that, we're busing them. Our administration is picking 
them up and busting them in strategic locations around the nation. Yep. And then you have to ask yourself, why? Why are we seeing average fighting age males by the thousands being put on buses and being shipped all over the nation? You want to tell me that? And, and handed yeah. checks. Again, yeah, being a military tactician, being in the military, again, this is not fully factual because if it was, America would be picking up arms right now, right? There's still some smoke and mirrors behind it, but you're not going to have me believe that these people um, are just here because they, they want a better life, right? These individuals, and this is my mindset, and you know, we talk about conspiracy theories, and I'll roll with that term no, no matter how much I hate that term. <laughs> I believe that certain... I believe that certain individuals have been allocated through the United Nations, come in through our southern corridor, and are now being strategically placed at certain times at certain places around the nation so that when this trucker convoy comes through and D.C. Um, pulls their last false flag that they're going to do, they're going to blame whatever they want coming up on the patriots of this nation, and it's going to spark some kind of civil unrest guess what? You're going to magically see all these UN vehicles here in a matter of like a day. You're going to be like, how did they get here? Who are these people? And you're not, and people like me are going to know people that don't have that mindset are literally going to sit back and they're going to scratch in their heads. Like why, who are these people? Why, how did, I don't understand. How did they get here? Where's our military at? Oh, well our military is off fighting somewhere else. So don't, don't worry. Do you think we learned that? that strategy from Osama bin Laden in 9-11, this using the Southern border, moving these people strategically throughout the U S you think that was, that was, yeah. I mean, we could go down another rabbit hole there yeah. of, of, is it all, all connected or is it that what we learned? We're, we're going down a rabbit hole and regard, whenever I hear that name, it, it, that's a different rabbit hole. And I don't think people are ready to, to truly dig and figure out number one, who he was and who he was connected to. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a different time, but the yeah, tactics are there. Yes. Yes. But um, yeah, dude, I could, I could talk forever what I think about that individual and um, yeah, but I'm definitely going to leave it off this podcast. Okay. <laughs> I guarantee you after this podcast, I'm going to have black helicopters flying around my tonight, dude. I, uh, I want to go back to another thing that we both said at the same time. And that was something that you talked about with the houses at the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Right. My exact words, as were yours, those look like, like they look like FEMA houses, FEMA trailers. So that again, once you're, once you wake up from this, magical facade that we've been living in because we've been so suppressed and we've we've had everything at our fingertips where we didn't have to think of ourselves once we woke up like people like you and me we're able to look at this and say i can't believe what i'm seeing and normal people are like what these they're just you know rappers from the 90s and 2000s dancing on top of white and i'm thinking like yeah i i get that but if you've been watching the super bowl for the last like 10 years you would see all of this you know, and we can talk conspiracies, but like Illuminati, the cultist crap. Like I don't even like some of the crap these women dress up as and how they move themselves on stage and how they, you know, cover. It's just, 
it's just really weird. It's almost like a precursor, right? They're, 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 you know, you started seeing this in football and then next thing you know, we have devil worship being in our schools. It's, it's just, it's just really, you know, for people like you and me, it's, it's right in front of our faces. And I watched it and I, I sat back and I was just like, wow. I was like, the feeling in, in what I got from the halftime show was, and again, this is just how my brain um, analyzes things. I said, I wonder if they're, they're telling the generation that listens to this music that this is going to be your new home, right? All of these elitists that are on top of these buildings, uh, they're dancing around freely, right? And then we have, what, Eminem at the end, like, take a knee? Yep. So basically, to me, it's like, unless you take a knee, you're going to be like all the dancers that are stuck in each one of these uh, SEMA-looking trailers, man. I was I, You know, again, I was just like, sim- symbolism is really a big thing for me. And I was just like, holy crap. So I did a video, right? You saw my video. Yep. And that's where um, I got, I, I, said, right? I, I said the same thing. I was like, I was like, I said that when, when they, when it, when it got popped up on the screen. You know, they, you know, they pulled it down tonight. You know, that they hit me with community violation standard. I, I hate that. They literally, yeah. So they got a hold of it and I, and I feel it the way I normally do. And I was waiting to see like hate speech and I'm thinking of, I didn't really say anything in there. I said, where have I seen this before? And I allowed you to kind of put two and two together with two different pictures, right? You can't give me for misinformation because I'm not saying one is the other. All I'm doing is I'm showing you two different pictures and allowing you, the viewer, to, to, to make the connection. So I'm thinking in my mind, this is going to be good. And again, I'm a tactician. So normally my stuff gets hit up, but it gets hit up with those BS, like community violation standards that don't say what you violate. Right. It's just literally you violate the standards. Yep. Normally, you know, when I talk to people on social media, it'd be like hate speech or provoking gestures or, you know, violent, whatever. Yeah. So a majority, 99% of my videos, because I'm a tactician, I get hit up um, from that social media uh, outlet. And all it just says is that it's insane. It's like, I guarantee I probably, I probably got it back. Um, But, I was even on live the other day and I wasn't even going down the rabbit hole. I was just, you know, welcoming people in. I do a roll call. I'm like, Hey, where's everyone from? You know, I want to give props to every, you know, first responder out there. Just trying to make a connection, start talking to people, figure out where everyone's at. And then we could start a conversation. I have people from Canada. I have truckers. So I started asking questions and that I was chill. And next thing you know, live ended <laughs> your band for seven days. I was like, for what? And I looked at it and said, misinformation. And I'm thinking to myself, what, I, what misinformation? I'm talking to people that are on the ground in Ottawa. I'm talking to people in England. And I'm asking them what they're seeing. What, what are they so afraid of? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are the social media outlets so afraid of? Like, the only thing I can come up with is they realize, and they're probably looking at the data and the stats that, a majority of this nation and the majority of the world has woken up and they are on their last straw. And that is why they are pulling what they they're trying to pull. You know, that's why they, they thought we were going to go along with these shots. They thought we we're going to go along with the vaccine mandates. They thought they were going to be able to squeeze the life out of us until we just submitted. And then they realized around the world that our resolve is a little bit stronger. And one thing that I try to assimilate this to is, you know, when people say, you know, why did they do this? I said, we have to understand the people that came up with this process aren't American, right? 
And I try to explain, being in the military and coming across so many different backgrounds, so many different um, social uh, demographics. You know, I, I lived in the Middle East for a total of seven years. I'm a typical yeah, I speak Arabic, I speak Hindi, I speak Urdu, I speak German. I speak all these different languages. I've been around the globe, right? And, you know, one thing that, that I always get questioned is, you know, how come you Americans are the way you are? And it would always strike me like as an odd question. I'd be like, what do you mean? They're like, well, you're patriotic and you love your flag. And, and it dawns on me with all of this tyrannical BS, the people that are constructing this cannot be American because they don't understand. They obviously don't understand the American result. And that's why they, they tried pulling it here, but they also realized that they pushed too hard here. Like, like you got millions of combat veterans, millions, millions out of the wars that you put us in over the two decades. We have right now more combat retired veterans than we do in the actual military. And we're talking hardcore dudes, hardcore pipe hitters like me, hardcore individuals that, that have done and put boot the ass for this nation for 20 something years. They're afraid of that. But the point I'm trying to make is the people that came up with this agenda they're sitting back scratching their heads. And they're like, hold on. How come this works you know, in China? How come the social credit score, and we choke the life out of them there, and now we have them walk around with, and they're being videotaped wherever they go, and you know they're monitored 24-7 and everything they bought. How come America's not buying this crap? And that's all I can say is the agenda was not created by an individual that understands what it truly is to be an American. You can import as, as much as you want, but at the end of the day, if you are a true red, white, and blue patriot American, you have this mindset for uh, freedom or death. Like, and my nation means everything to me, and God means everything to me. But the people that created this don't, they just don't get it. And they don't understand why the propaganda is not working. They don't understand why the news is not working. And that's why they just keep pushing it. Because they, in their mind, they think we Americans are dumb, but we're not. And we see it. So... Correct. No, I'm, I'm right along there with pivotal, you. We're just at a pivotal point in, in this world's history, and I think a line's being drawn. I don't think there, you know, we talk about politics. I don't think, there's no more parties, brother. I, I truly believe at this point it's either good versus evil. Okay? Tyranny versus freedom. You know, they could try to label it all they want at this point, but either you're for being free, trying to live a free life from tyranny, or you're just about taking the knee. And that's what I saw at the, the, the halftime show. We got one individual taking a knee. For me, it was just symbolic. Like, either you bow to us, take a knee, or you're going to end up in one of these. And you know what? I, I could be totally wrong. It could be Sam tonight, and I could be way off, right? So, what? Well. You when know, I when I first saw that, I, I saw, you know, Dre was on the piano, and I saw that as everybody was focused on Eminem, but he wanted to, right. uh, you know, give the spotlight back to Dre because he's on the piano starting, you know, his most famous song. But then it all kind of, you know, Correct. the wheels started turning a little bit there, you know, and then it was it was more than taking a knee. The media got out ahead of it, though, right. and said, no, that was his symbol to... Uh, Tupac, which I don't know how that how that all works out, you know, but that was yeah, him giving symbolism. 
Right. But that's all it is. That's that's all we see from these uh, Hollywood stars. That's all we see from these things. It's always symbolism. It's right in front of your face and you try to point it out to certain individuals are like, no. I don't know how many pictures I can go through on the internet of them covering one eye up. Mm-hmm. And then doing research on the IRA or like how it's all linked together and people be like, no, you're nuts. But we have a floating eye on our dollar bill. Like, it's, certain people you're never going to be able to wake up and I think certain people are going to have to go through through some pain here uh, to realize. And I and, and what I'm scared of is certain people are, are going to go, go through pain because they trusted uh, the, the, the propaganda. They trusted these people uh, into going out and, like I said, taking taking these experimental medical treatments. Uh, we don't even know what this is going to do to a generation. We don't even know if it's can, can it, like if you could pass it on to somebody. There's a lot of epidemiologists turning around saying that the, the one of the shots, the, the bonding agent, was a portion of HIV. And I'm thinking, what in the hell? And you can research that. Oh, what right? was Fauci's, what's but, Fauci uh, famous for? Right. Yeah, he was right at the epicenter of that in, yep. the, in the, the late 80s, 80s. So, you know, there are so many... Epidemiologists are stepping out there saying there's something not right about this. This is going to create autoimmune disorders. Then you have to think about it later. How many millions of people around the world uh, took these shots? And then you have to think about your children that you're trying to protect right now. What happens when they grow up and they have uh, sexual contact with somebody that's been injected with this? What is that going to do to them? Mm -hmm. Will that pass on? You you get what I'm saying? It's almost like, I mean, I could go down the rabbit hole all day long, but yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> Last I'm saying, thing, we're looking at what? Two hours in. Yep. We're two hours in, two hours in. We'll and I, and through. I, and I'm like, and I kept looking and I'm like, man, we're, I've, I was thinking we're like 40 minutes. I was like, we're two hours in. No, I was man, like, Oh we're, man. We're at- <laughs> Tell me about your hey, podcast. That's what happens with the, ra- that it happens with the rabbit hole. You start going down that rabbit, and that's what they call the rabbit hole, man. Mm-hmm. You just keep going and going. You start thinking about that, and you're just like, boom. So, tell me about yeah, uh, tell me about your podcast. The, the the just a pinch, just a pinch of patriot. Yeah. So obviously, um, you know, going on social media, um, that first video I talked about, it was crazy. Right when I resigned, I felt a certain way. Um, about what I just did. I literally, I served this great nation my whole life. And I literally looked at my leadership and I, and I said, here's my badge, here's my equipment. I checked everything back in for the last time. And I got my training record from uh, uh, the instructors and in, in our detectives. And, um, you know, I got all, all of my certifications and all my, you know, basically my whole training record in my hands. So I'm walking out, I'm walking with all my gear. I'm walking out with the my, my training jacket that says, Hey, you certified in this, whatever, just case, you know, I ever want to get a job somewhere else. Um, I remember I sat down in the car and something told me like, get your phone out, dude. Like, and this is before I went on social media. I just, I literally sat there for a second. I put, I put the phone on the dash and I think I took the video for the reason where I wanted my son to see that pivotal moment in my life where I made the decision, not just for me, but for my family. And understand that no matter how much I wanted to serve this nation, I, I believe in something. And God is telling me that this is not right. And I need to stand up. And I sacrificed my profession over my moral and religious beliefs. And uh, I took that video. The video is probably like, I think I cut it down. It was like 50 seconds or a minute. 
And then uh, one of my buddies was talking about TikTok. He saw the videos, like, dude, throw it up on TikTok. And I was like, uh, all right, what do I have to lose? And I threw it on TikTok. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, in a matter of like two weeks, that thing was almost at a million views. Wow. And, and this is before all of this. This is, this is like, I resigned before the mandate even hit because I knew what was coming. Right. Again, we talked about being tacticians. I knew what was coming. I said, you know what? I'm going to get ahead of this. Um, I've cleared all my cases. I was the uh, officer of the year. I don't have any, um, I've never had a complaint against me. I, you know, I'm, I'm walking away on my own terms before they could turn around and say, well, the reason he left was because of uh, ABC and D, even though I said some of the reasons I left, you have to document that. And I didn't document that. I just said, you know, um, my wife at the time, she was, she was getting uh, promoted and she was, and it was time for me to come home and be a stay at home dad. So, but the other officers knew they were like, dude, that guy's walking. So, you know, I got on TikTok and I threw that video off. Next thing you know, the thing's just getting like going around. And, you know, you have you know, certain individuals on there telling me, you, you know, you're a punk, you should just take in a shot. And I'm thinking like, yeah, okay, let me run out and get it because uh, a fake account told me. I, but I've seen mixed reviews like that. And within the first month of me dropping it on, like, like you see these people just attacking you. And you're just like, well, who are these people? Why do you think your word means anything to me? Like, and the majority of the comments were like, you know, oh, you were in service. You didn't care about protecting others. And I'm thinking, like, where is that data? Where does it show that me injecting this in my body is going to protect somebody else? Right? Um, but then you get it, you know, you get the all cops are bad um, the people that jump in there. And it's like, oh, you pig. And blah, blah. I'm just like, okay, cool. But then you have the majority uh, of the people that are, that are outstanding, man. And they were supportive and they... You know, hey, I understand I'm being forced right now. Uh, I'm a nurse. And then it started opening this door to me to, to, to realize, like, maybe this time while I'm home with my family and being an integral part of my family now, because I've been away. I've been operating. Um, you know, I've been as a cop. I've pulled late shift. I, I was never really here for my family. I might be here for a couple hours and I go right back on shift or whatever. I'm finally here for my family. And I started seeing these people and listening to their stories. And then people start reaching out to me and said, you know, I'm a healthcare provider and they're trying to do this to me. And, uh, you know, people in the military reaching out to me, like, you know, I know your previous military, like, what do you think I should do? And, you know, asking for advice and, 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 pos- and next thing you know, I'm positively like pushing these people in the right direction. I really said, wow, like this is, I can actually use my big mouth for something. Like normally I use my big mouth in the military to like, you know, do whatever, you know, you definitely, if you're in serving with me and you were in my, uh, in my unit, you definitely know when I walk in the room because I'm just, I just, I bump my gums 24 seven, but <laughs> I would like to think over 20, for 20 years, I'm kind of well-versed in communicating. Um, so I was like, wow, man, like maybe this is something, maybe, maybe this, maybe I could use my social media platform as a conduit to, let other people know that it's okay to stand up for your constitutionally protected rights. Even though the government is pushing misinformation, trying to deem you A, B, C, and D, you know, maybe this is my fight. And it just, I'm telling you that from that one account alone, first account, I, and we grew up in that. In a matter of, like I said, a matter of a couple of weeks, we're 100,000 followers, like plus, uh, up into a million likes, 
and it spawned into my Instagram to the point where Instagram actually started shadow banning me. I, I put out videos on Instagram, and they're even worse than TikTok. Like, you put out videos on uh, uh, Instagram. I had one that hit like 80, like 70,000. 70, and then all the videos after that were like 1,000. And then it was 30. And then it was 25. Like, I put videos up now on that shadow ban account. It's literally, you look at it and you're like, each video is like 25 views, 26. I'm like, what are the odds mathematically? <laughs> yeah. Mathematically. 15 videos back to back have they're in the twenties. Like you, 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 you think I'm that stupid. So obviously I'm over target. I feel I'm over target and, and that's why I get docked. But you know, at the beginning when my first account got shut down, I mean, I could have easily just said, yeah, you know, it's not for me. But then people started reaching out to me and they started talking to me and they're like, you know, we were this Patriot movement that we got. And I started realizing that it's a big Patriot movement. And it's not just service members, not just law enforcement. It's a big patriot movement that, that is trying to back Trump, tried, trying to back getting back to normal and getting this country back on track. And it just seems like the people like that are getting docked. But you can come across on TikTok. I could thumb through and I could see some of the most disgusting crap that I've ever seen in my life. I could see I go on a live and I pass through. I'm about to jump on a live and I, I pass by a lady that's got her legs over her head. And she's talking to people. And I'm thinking, like, what kind of platform is this? And you allow this stuff. I'm just on here trying to spread the truth. And then you have individuals on there, like, pushing, like, negative agendas, just talking crap. Like, they had uh, one individual. I'm not, I'm not going to give the guy any kind of credit here. But there is this one nasty individual on there, those pretty big racist, talking about conservatives and white people. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, if you've been on TikTok, I know who you're talking about. He, his his freaking platform stayed on there for I, I. The only reason it came down is because the guy ran his mouth so much that he had to hide. TikTok didn't pull that guy down. Just watching one video alone, I was like, "How is this guy not banned for the crap that he's saying?" And I saw him all over, and I'm thinking, like, that's what it is. The, the, this application. Literally, it's literally hunting down conservative truth tellers, fact seers, and anyone that is actually spreading the word that does not jive with the corrupt mainstream agenda. Um, you know, anyone that that is actually reporting the news. And the cool thing about TikTok that I love um, is you can instantaneously connect with people around the world, right? So when the news is trying to say one thing, and I'm up talking with somebody from Canada or Australia, and they're like, "No, that's all BS, man." Here's a video, and they send me a video. I'm like. That, that's what they don't want yeah. because individuals like us are dangerous because we're actually getting the information. You don't see uh, these marches, right? You turn on you, us right here, right? So what do we got? Cairo 7 yeah. in Seattle. We have state news. Do you see any of the marches in any other country? Do you see the marches in Australia, France? Do you see them standing up uh, in England? Do you, it, no. It's 24-7. Shot, shot, shot. Take this. Take this. Governor Inslee is gonna do A, B, C, and D, and that dude don't, don't get started, him. That that dude, I don't even know. Like <laughs> you he can't put two words together. <laughs> I, I don't understand, but he still he still has emergency powers for some freaking reason. It just it bothers the mind. Anyways, back well, to it, it, I'm no, it goes to, back I'm to your just, point of wife, they don't want to relinquish any of the power that they have. 
And Inslee is now in that position of, I have this emergency power. I can pretty much do anything I want under the emergency rule. I'm not going to give it up. Right. They're not going to relinquish it. If people think like, so he, what did he just pass? And we're talking local news, Washington state. What did he pass the other day? Uh, The outdoor masks. I thought it was was so funny when it came across my feed that says uh, governor Inslee, dictator Inslee came out and stated, um, you know, he's going to take away the mandate for outdoor masks. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like other people wearing masks outside (laughs) in the state. That's what I said. <laughs> like, are people, do people listen to this freaking dude? Like, he's giving me back what? Something that he never had the power to take away in the beginning? And then you see these tyrannical dictators in other states, like Chicago's Lightfoot. Um, she's a, there is something wrong with her. She's coming out dressed like a superhero. Remember when she came out in front of Chicago? On live TV, did you ever see that? I don't. I don't out? think so. I'm uh, trying to remember. I don't think so. She dressed up like a crime fighter, like an old school Robin from like the 1970s, and comes out with the stupid, handing people candy and talking about she's a she's a virus uh, killer, and she's here to kill the virus and just do what we tell you. I was like, what world? What in the hell? I literally, some days I wake up and I, and I have to ask my wife, I said, am I getting punked? Like, are we, <laughs> did, did I die in the, in my sleep like a long time ago? Like, is it, it, it just seems like to me, it's so asinine that people, I don't understand how people don't see it. They don't see the propaganda. They don't see crap like that. Like not being okay. Like this lady came out dressed like a superhero talking about she's going to kill the virus and started handing out candy and face masks. And I was like, Wow, you can't get any more. That's like next level propaganda right there, man. And people buy that crap. So it's amazing. Yeah, buddy. Well, I yeah. uh, I appreciate right. you hey, coming on. No doubt, man. Like I said, if you ever want to get a hold of me and you ever want to put something together, uh, I don't have a problem bumping my guns. I don't have a job. I'm retired, so I got I got nothing but time, dude. Cool. So. You just let me know. We'll do. We'll do. Uh, check out Brad, uh, Mr. Freedom Stick. Uh, he's on TikTok at Mr. Freedom Branch because of the different name changes. He had to change his name. Um, check him out on Instagram as well as the Just a, Just a Pinch of Patriot podcast. Thank you, sir, for coming on. Yep. Yeah, make sure you check the podcast out on Spotify if you liked any, any of what I, what I talked about tonight. I did have a wild hair up my ass the other night and I said, you know what? I, I'm going on all these other podcasts. Let's create one. So yeah, I, I, I went on anchor and I created one, put it on Spotify. So yes, just a pinch of hatred. I have my first episode out. I get to do an episode every week. So I might have you on. Outstanding. How about that? Well, well let's that'd do be, it. That'd be amazing. All right, brother. Will you have a good one? Everyone out there. Take care. Patriots. God bless. And yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for coming on. Check out that podcast. Just a pinch of Patriot. It is on Spotify. So go there, check that out. Hit that notification bell. When you're done listening to his episode, go back to mine, 
hit that follow button, hit that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. And then you can listen to both of us on the same weeks. Uh, what a show. Um, we went well over two hours. Uh, so thank you for listening along. I hope it went as fast uh, for you guys as it did us. I mean, like I said, we were well over two hours and it felt like 40 minutes. So um, check out Mr. Freedom Stick on TikTok, on Instagram. Um, he's got two different accounts. Uh, just be watching out because they're always taking his stuff down and and get yourself the you know get yourself the content that he's putting out there so thank you again i am kevin lamberting this has been a little extra lambo peace